0: But then you see these bands of very distinct cloud cover that is not rain, that is not snow. Believe it or not, military aircraft flying through the region is dropping chaff. Small bits of aluminum, sometimes it's made of plastic. Now, they won't confirm that, but I was in the Marine Corps for many years, and I'll tell you right now, that's what it is.
1: We're in very great danger uh, from the pollution that's coming down over us. And we've been led astray by the military-industrial chemtrails. Is the government
2: spraying contrast. dangerous chemicals over us from
3: is planes? Is the government
1: experimenting with
0: That's our weather? That's
3: question at the heart of a phenomenon called chemtrails. Chemtrails is term right to the, the visible trail left by
4: airplanes in the sky. Millions to the of, the tons, Millions to the of the tons of toxic to poisons released by our planes. As part war, of the government, the United States military, military conducted The government is up there
1: in airplanes spraying all kinds of chemicals to change and manipulate the weather. Leaving what you see there, and they call that a chemtrail.
2: Geoengineering. They say if it's a poison in the show high levels of these chemicals the level, in our rain, rain and soil. Using planes to spray chemicals into the
5: atmosphere the to manipulate to the sun's rays. And that's why health department, department
6: records show a sharp increase in barium and aluminum in California's water supply. shall
1: propose further
6: cooperative efforts between all the nations
1: in weather prediction and eventually in weather control.
4: This is the high-frequency active auroral research project jointly managed by the Air Force Research Laboratory and the Office of Naval Research. Its stated purpose? Communications research. But many scientists worldwide, including the holder of the technology's patent, claim that this facility has another, more insidious capability. Experimental manipulation of the atmosphere to control the weather.
7: It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather and he who controls the weather will control the world. And he who controls the weather will control the world.
6: Lasers? Really? To change the weather?
8: Uh, Gradually build up in the stratosphere, these fine particles. So that any version of the solar geoengineering will have unexpected side effects.
5: Chris
9: Arnold
10: A? Noah, Noah Beaver B. B. Caleb Stevenson. Abs and a six pack. It's abs and a six pack. <laughs>
2: six pack. Abs.
10: Whoo. <laughs> All right, so today we're talking about harp. How many A's was that? Was it was that mostly H's. Yeah.
11: That was mostly H's, no yeah. Exaggerated okay. the wrong the wrong letter there.
10: Yeah. HARP. And p- some people say it controls the weather. What have you guys heard about it?
12: I've heard it's Probably. in Alaska.
10: There you go. That's where it's at. There's a guy named Dr. Nick Begich who is in uh lives in Alaska and he's a big proponent of he's a big anti-harp proponent his uh father was also Dr. Nick Begich senior he was a congressman consistent and uh a lot of people think he was murdered he died in a plane crash uh and the wreckage was never found body never found that's right I heard about that guy yeah but then his son Dr. Yes, Nick he- Begich is has been like an expert on the um European parliament like has been called in as an expert for testimony and he's lives in Anchorage, Alaska, and he's a big, uh, I haven't clipped anything from him, but he's got a lot to say about harp. So that'll be in the show notes. Right. Like, okay. So like before this episode, I probably didn't
11: know almost anything about harp really. I mean, I, I heard, I heard like when I was a kid, I think I heard it, its name and associated it associated with, with the weather channel. And then, uh. But that's about it. And even before this, I think all I knew about it was that um, it was some sort of program for like cloud seeding or something. I I didn't even know like chemtrails had anything to do with harp.
12: Chemtrails do have something to do with harp. I didn't even know. Yeah, I didn't even. I watched some videos about it, and I didn't ever hear anything about that.
11: Yeah, well harp is well, involved that, in just about everything. Harp and DARPA basically Harpa. is what it seems like huh.
10: harp. Well, Dar, DARPA is <laughs>
11: way bigger than just harp, but yeah, harp. Right. Well, Harp's not part of DARPA. It's actually a separate. It's it's technically like a research program, right? It's not. It's not like. Yeah.
10: There's been a bunch a of different military, government organizations. Oh, it's, that uh, it's,
12: have, right. Well, Harp is an Air Force. It's owned by the United States Air Force and uh, operated by yeah. them. Well, didn't it
11: switch like actually ownership a couple times? Like at one point, it was owned by a like a Navy then Air Force, like a, and then DARPA it was owned was by using, it was owned by a Raytheon at one point. Oh, I didn't like know a defensive that. contracting company. Yeah. Hmm. And then so we, ba- basically, yeah, the, the government did like a little like a secret like workaround thing there where they, they sold it off to like one company and then Raytheon acquired that company and, and they already had contracts set up with Raytheon or something
10: like that. So it was it was actually kind of shady. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into the chemtrail connection later on because it's um I guess the nutshell version is electricity moves way better in the water. Like, if you're in a bathtub and drop a toaster in there, you're going to get electrocuted. The same applies with uh, radio frequencies and uh, transmissions. If you have a bunch of aluminum par- particles in the air, it transfers way better so you can transmit around to the other side of the world. Oh, uh, so
12: they would drop like metal, they put like metal. Particles, aluminum particles, or some kind of uh, conductive particles in the air, so that the yeah that uh, the the wave, like what is it? Is it radio waves, microwaves, all sorts of different?
10: Uh, yeah, radio waves, microwaves, uh, kind of like how AM radio. It, like the more blockage there is in between, mm-hmm. it's gonna um, be the transmission gets broken.
12: Oh, okay. Uh, So So if you have that's what oh okay so the connection would be that it just helps with connectivity of the right so if you're trying trying to broadcast
10: to like over the horizon the the earth is in your way so like metal particles would help transmit that around the curvature of the earth right right and that would help with I mean that how they distribute
11: them would be like through chemtrails and that would help with basically probably seven maybe maybe eight out of the ten. Projects that Harp uh, Harp was involved in, like I've got like a probably a a semi-comprehensive list of everything that they were involved in, which is like
10: a lot of crazy shit. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I got some scientists. Well, this it's the scientists that work at Harp as well as the. um, Well, no, this doesn't have the director of Harp. This is just some uh, Harp scientists talking about what Harp does. Harp
13: is a facility to study the ionosphere region 60 miles out, out into space. And that, that's a region where there's not much density. The, the air is very thin. It's mostly plasma, which means electrons and ions.
8: HARP stands for the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program.
13: The federal government spent about $300 million. It's the most exquisite of its kind in the world. It's currently owned and operated by the Air Force Research Lab. And they have other priorities. They've done some tests over the years. Now they want to go do other things. So it's become a bit of an orphan sitting down there in Kakona. The U.S. has the lead in the world in this area and it would be a shame to give that up. The other facilities aren't nearly as flexible or as powerful.
8: It's an instrument that allows us to make small changes to the ionosphere and then we can measure the response of the ionosphere in the upper atmosphere to the changes that HARP is making.
13: A lot of us realize how important it is, how powerful, how significant the facility is. So, we're trying to figure out ways to keep it alive as an active scientific tool.
8: Why would it be beneficial? I I can't speak for the applications, but it's a mystery to solve. We can think of the ionosphere as a natural plasma laboratory, the conditions of which are difficult to replicate in an actual physical laboratory. And so, this is just another way of, of learning about the world around us.
13: Because if the Air Force shuts it down, by prior agreement, they're required to remediate it, which means they have to go back and turn the land back into the way it was before they started. They'll have to bulldoze the whole site away.
10: So you'll notice what that last scientist said there at the end. If the Air Force, which they claim they're not involved with it anymore, gets rid of it, they've already agreed to bulldoze Harp, And it's uh, supposedly just independent scientists and universities operating it now, from what I understand. But it's still not been bulldozed, which would imply that maybe the military, the Air Force is still involved, even though they say they're not. Or they just broke right. their promise of bulldozing it? I don't know. Well, um,
12: in that uh, clip right there, it said the Air Force Research Institute or something. Yeah. It sounded like it was a, a an appendix or what is it? What's what an was the word I'm looking for? An appendage of the Air Force, right? Like not necessarily right. the exact Air Force, but part. Maybe like a research. It's just, it just part. yeah, it's not
11: the military aspect or the defensive aspect necessarily. At least the the stated purpose. It's on paper. Like it was kind of, kind of interesting how he, uh, made it sound so benign. It's just, we need this to, to study the world around us. We can't recreate these conditions in a lab. That's why <laughs> we, we really, we really got to have this. But, but like, and so the- he actually even said he can't speak to the applications of the facility. Wait, wait a second. Like you're, you're trying to convince me that we need to put tax dollars into this.
10: Yeah, but out of one side of the mouth, about the applications. Out of the one side like, of the mouth, they say they've done all the research they need with it, and then out of the other side, they say it's a mystery we still have yet to solve. So it's like,
12: uh, so right. like some typical. Uh, we want more funding. There's some people that <laughs> yeah. are very comfortable with their jobs there. Mm-hmm. They probably moved to Alaska for that, and they're like, "No, we're we're gonna we're, right. we want more. We're we're, we're gonna stay here."
11: Well, this isn't even one of those things where, like, the truth wants to come out. This is one of those things where they've actually said, like, on paper. Like, I think one of the, not, maybe not the UN, but maybe the EU, I think, um, put out a, uh, treatise or something, basically barring all sorts of weather manipulation, um, for warfare. Like w- w- weather yes. weapons, essentially. Yeah. And but um, they after- also say that they don't exist. So essentially, <laughs> they're, yeah, they're and- making them <laughs> illegal, but they're also saying there's no such thing.
10: In Vietnam, the the uh, CIA used weather manipulation to cause monsoons. Uh, they called it Operation Popeye to try to wash out the Viet Cong. And the New York Times reported on it at the time. And then because of that the Geneva convention was modified in 1977 to outlaw weather weapons. Right. Hmm. Uh, that was when Ford no, was technology president. that they used to create the monsoons. Uh, uh, in early that case, versions of the heart. Well, no, yeah. in, well, in that case they used, um, according to what was declassified, they used, uh, s- silver iodide, uh, sprayed off, like basically like sprayed through planes, like a, a chemtrail that like cloud seeding, extreme cloud seeding to extend the monsoon season. Oh, to, to like,
12: oh, to not create right. monsoons, but to extend yeah. what was already there. Extend like the... what was already there.
10: And yeah. I, you'll notice Replayed. in the intro, okay. I kind of clipped together. You had John F. Kennedy and Lyndon B. Johnson talking about, like, what Lyndon Johnson says, he who controls the weather will control the world. Kennedy's talking about weather modification. So it's not a new idea by any means. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. So here's uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. and I, You brought this up, Caleb, so you already heard this, but... Mm-hmm. One thing this shows is more proof that Neil deGrasse Tyson's a shill, but the the thing it really shows is that Neil deGrasse Tyson has a Star Talk podcast and his audio is ten times shittier than ours, so we're doing something right. He does it live, <laughs> I think. Gareth
14: asks, I've read some theories that harp can be used to manipulate the weather.
10: They just it's like they it's like they just set it's up jarring. a it sounds like they set up a webcam. Um, it sounds like somebody's calling in there and asking him a question. Like no, he's no, taking it's the it's the dude from Bob's Burgers. I can't remember his name. They're both in the same room. They got a camera set up, and it sounds like they didn't really? mic themselves, even though they do have mics in front of them. It sounds like all the audio is coming from the webcam set up in the end of the
14: room. It's really bad. Gareth asks, "I have read some theories that harp can be used to manipulate the weather. Is this possible?" Yeah, harp is. uh I me. Mean, Mahili. Uh, what was it? Uh, Hi altitude radio radios. pension <laughs> I always are forget I always forget the acronym yeah uh, there are people who are sure that the government is is uh, is stockpiling aliens and control
10: <laughs> you see how he builds that straw man right away
11: well, he he jumps straight to stockpiling aliens. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, they've got this giant, like,
12: massive pile of aliens somewhere <laughs> in a warehouse. Yeah. Like Immediately <laughs> trying to sway the conversation to be like, okay, Harp is, like, anybody that thinks they're doing anything are the same people.
11: or nut job. Think, right.
12: Yeah. So stupid.
14: Is uh, stockpiling aliens and controlling right. everything about anything we would ever think about. And they clearly have never worked for the government because right. the it's level of incompetence of the government <laughs> and inefficiency yeah. knows no bounds, yeah. th- th- but for starters. It's true that you could manipulate the weather like they did during the Olympics in China. Like It's not that you can't manipulate the weather, it's that
11: whether you would really have any serious control.
14: Yeah, a lot of the weather, uh, well, weather happens in many places, mm-hmm. so... It it comes about from the heat balance, from the energy coming from the Mm -hmm. sun, what it reflects off of, what it gets absorbed by, what the up currents do, what the downdrafts do, what the rotation of the earth is doing, all of this factors in. And so I have not been convinced by any of the reports to suggest that experiments in the upper atmosphere, uh, physics experiments, are having any effect on our weather whatsoever. Right. uh, and And it would be tragic if we wanted to say, oh... That's why it's getting hotter in right, the world, right, right. okay? Because there's some, some experiment mm-hmm. happening. Uh, it would that would be tragic because we would be missing the 900-pound gorilla in the room. Right. And then, but can you the, the, the carbon dioxide gorilla? Yes. <laughs> yes, the 900-pound <laughs> carbon dioxide gorilla. All right. Uh, here's another question. By the way, I don't think gorillas can weigh 900 pounds. Is that true? Yeah, I don't. The biggest one I've seen. So not 900 pounds. Five hundred pounds. Yeah. Not 900. So 900 pounds, like helping. a pumpkin. I bet there's like a pumpkin. <laughs> well, he starts moving <laughs> away from
10: it. The first
12: with a gorilla, like a
14: 500 uh, gorilla holding a 400, 400 pound pumpkin. That would work. Yes.
10: So, yeah. So he uh, he he doesn't not only pivots, but he says, "Well, if like if people that think that stuff like HARP could modify the weather would be a distraction from CO2 emissions." Well, the question for, was like for him to
11: kind of explain HARP. But he he doesn't he doesn't explain anything. He just immediately starts refuting arguments that were never like nobody made those arguments in the room. He and he's refuting them. Yeah. And and he couldn't remember. And then when he he starts talking about weather, he just starts saying like, well, weather happens like in lots of places.
14: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really?
12: Uh Yeah, it's like his biggest argument. It's like there's so many factors. I can't even name all the factors that go into making weather. So, no, I don't think it's possible to manipulate it. And then immediately after that, they talk about, oh, but, you know, it has been manipulated before. And then they're both like, yeah. (laughs) And it's just kind of like, okay, right, right, right. What am I supposed to
11: take away from that? I mean, scientifically, he lists like a lot of factors there. And he says there's so many things involved in making weather which actually kind of lends itself to the credibility of us being able to manipulate weather. When you have right. like such a complex system with so many different factors and you start messing with just a few of those factors, it's going to have a chain reaction just mathematically mm. like, I mean, and
10: logically. I mean. No, no, because Neil said Neil deGrasse Tyson said the only time that could ever happen is with carbon emissions. That's the only way. That's
11: yeah. the only. That's the only thing that has a chain reaction
12: from you. Yeah, I like how he yeah. just like exactly. <laughs> he just pivots right back to
10: uh, standard talking points. Which is why
12: and, we like, need carbon taxes. <laughs> why yeah. I need more of your money?
10: So this this one's uh, fun. This is a CBS News. They have Michio Kaku that like, um, like the Asian uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Exactly. And uh, he's at the so, yeah, CBS News talking about scientists using lasers to uh, create rain and shit. But this will be a clip we need to deconstruct because there's a lot in this.
6: You know, they were talking about climate change. Yeah.
10: And what'd she say? Talking you know, they
6: climate were talking change. about climate change. Yeah.
10: Climate change. Sounds like truth wants to come out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? it's like climate change. You got your carbon tax. Yeah, I mean,
4: come on.
6: You know, they were talking about climate change yesterday, and now we're learning that scientists and researchers are looking at how to change the weather on purpose. That's right lasers now, could one day manipulate rain and lightning. CBS This Morning contributor Michio Kaku is a physics professor at City College of New York. Professor, nice to see you. Extraordinary seeing Al Gore and Bill Clinton there together with Charlie, wasn't it?
15: That's right, yeah. Yeah.
6: They did not get into this discussion, though. (laughs) But it is fascinating. I mean, lasers, really? To change the weather?
15: That's right. Well, as Mark Twain once famously said, everyone complains about the weather, but no one ever does anything about it. Well, instead of doing a Rain dance. We physicists are firing trillion watt lasers into the sky to actually precipitate rain clouds and actually bring down lightning bolts. This is potentially a game changer. But this is experimental. It's experimental. However, in the laboratory so far, it works.
10: Wait a minute. So he says we physicists are using the lasers to create rain and lightning bolts. And then he says it's all theoretical. We're doing it in a lab. How do you, cre- if he just said we're creating lightning bolts, how do you know. do that say, in a
11: lab? He didn't say it's theoretical. She said it's theoretical. And then he goes, well, yeah, it's experimental, but all of our experiments work. In a lab, but then he says yeah. they work in a they're lab. Just, how are you
12: making lightning bolts small. in a lab? Small scale uh, experiments and stuff. It wouldn't be that
15: hard if you had a whole warehouse. Wait, listen to what he said. Listen to what he said.
12: It's an open air lab.
15: Well, instead of doing a rain dance, we physicists are firing trillion watt lasers into the sky.
10: Into the sky.
12: It sounds like. I mean, he. It could just be that he's setting up what the idea is.
10: But he said, "We are. We physicists are firing trillion watt lasers into the sky." I don't
11: think that's like. Something that's like uh, contested. I think like everybody it like accepts that they have done this. Like, they, yeah, but then he backpedals it. That's
12: my problem it. with
10: it. He backpedals it and says it's. I don't think he does it. Let's, let's hear yeah, the rest let, of let, what let, he has let, to say. Okay. Okay, yeah.
15: Famously said, everyone complains about the weather, but no one ever does anything about it. Well, instead of doing a rain dance, we physicists are firing trillion-watt lasers into the sky to actually precipitate rain clouds and actually bring down lightning bolts. This is potentially a game changer. But this is experimental. It's experimental. However, in the laboratory so far, it works. When you have water vapor and you have dust particles or ice crystals, you can precipitate rain. It condenses around the seeds. These seeds can also be created by laser beams. By firing trillion-watt lasers, you rip apart the electrons, creating what are call ions, and these ions act like seeds, like dust particles, bringing down rain and even lightning. You, go ahead.
6: Well, I, I, this is fascinates me in part because, too, I remember reading the stories that China had used this during the Olympics, that the USSR had used this after Chernobyl to create rain clouds. I mean, w- did those really work then? We have some of these capabilities. Inconclusive. Even in the '60s, the CIA used this
15: to uh, bring down monsoons during the Vietnam War to wash out the Viet Cong.
11: Okay. Thoughts. Okay, that's kind of that's kind of ridiculous that he says inconclusive. Hmm.
12: You mean well? Maybe inconclusive in the effectiveness
10: of it. Well, it worked in China pretty mm -hmm. easily because they had that huge outdoor stadium and kept it from raining for weeks by shooting rockets fairly small
12: scale right like i mean it
10: was yeah, just went on a global facility.
14: scale what, what yeah, was not a question enough to...
11: hmm. what was her question did she say like did she say does this work or did she say does this can we use this
10: globally she said it, she, uh, asked, she said does, 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 does she, it actually work and he said inconclusive but this is where yeah, he I says think. it worked like
11: well, if you've yeah. done it, then it then it works. Well, she says I mean, they they, they the well a CIA. version
12: of it I believe is has worked like what China and what USSR claims to have done a version yeah. of it works, but, but I then, don't know if it's the it, just the version brings, that they're trying to propose might not be fully functional yet.
10: Right. Um. But but then he brings up he says the CIA used this method to create monsoons to wash out the Vietcong. Listen to her, her reaction
6: to him saying this on CBS. We have some of these capabilities now. Inconclusive.
15: Even in the 60s, the CIA used this to uh, bring down monsoons during the Vietnam War to wash out the Viet Cong. Governments have been
6: playing with this to. thing. Alleged to.
15: Alleged to, right. Oh, yeah. wow. Now, we realize that for decades <laughs> now, these governments have been alleged to have experimented with weather control, but nothing conclusive. This time, we're digging in the laws of physics rather than simply uh, waving our hands and uttering mumbo-jumbo. We're actually using billion watt lasers yeah. now. And in the laboratory, sure enough, they precipitate rain out of water vapor. Sure enough, you can actually bring down electricity mm. down, the, down the beam.
4: So what does it mean for drought areas that, that need to have rain for crops, and if they don't have them, uh, there's in the consequences of famine?
15: Well, the bad news is, if it's a clear blue sky, it's not going to do anything at all, because it only takes water vapor that's already in the air and condenses it. However, for floods for agriculture, farmers, for people planning wedding parties, uh, football <laughs> games, you name it, outdoor events and agriculture and flooding and even hurricanes, all of them could be subject to weather modification. Incredibly
6: interesting. Mm-hmm. Professor Michio Kaku, thank you so much.
10: <laughs> the CIA broadcasting system at its finest. <laughs> that was
12: interesting I mean. how the, the, the lady there was uh, immediately ready to cover for him. Allegedly you know, allegedly like, cast out. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was about to say I don't think
11: this is the CIA broadcasting system at its finest. I think it <laughs> kind of fucked up a few times there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. <laughs> I mean they had to they had to backpedal like probably two or three times. That was kind of, that was pretty bad.
12: <laughs> yeah, he kinda of made it sound too like he was like, this isn't waving our hands in the air, Mumbo Jumbo, like that's what they did in Vietnam is kind of what he equated to like it
11: was like he was bragging about it, and then he was like, but, I mean, I, I'm not allowed to brag about it, so it, so it's alleged. But yeah, we can I'm totally do this, and it's really cool, but it's alleged.
12: <laughs> yeah. yeah he's, t- he's bragging up up about how they
10: successfully brought down bolts of lightning in specific areas, and then he's like, oh, it's all theoretical. We shoot <laughs> trillion-watt lasers into the sky and bring down bolts of lightning, but it's all theoretical. I mean, it works in a laboratory, though
11: trillion watt lasers in a yeah. laboratory and <laughs> you mean in like in like a building i don't trillion know, yeah, watts think, do you know I how much power also, that
10: is he contradicted himself so much in that one clip like that's he a ridiculous really
11: amount of power i mean you could you could probably i mean if you aimed a trillion watt laser at a human being they'd probably just immediately burst into flames and just melt i'm i'm guessing i
10: mean yeah, we're gonna piss like off that, any that aliens surprise. out there if that goes too far into space and blows up one of the right. ships. <laughs> right, they're just like <laughs> trying to like go on like a Sunday afternoon
11: drive through space, and then like this laser comes out of nowhere, because <laughs> we're trying to
10: make lightning. <laughs> <My God. laughs> okay, so I uh, I watched this documentary called Holes in Heaven, and it's um from like it's in, made in the 1990s, but they interview. It gets a little woo woo by the end of it. But for the first half of it, they're strictly interviewing the HARP director and a bunch of different HARP scientists. So uh, here's some of what they had to say uh, the HARP director and some of the scientists that work at HARP.
1: What does HARP do? HARP is uh, is a large antenna where we beam radio frequency energy up into the upper atmosphere, and we create on a small scale what the sun normally does. And the reason we're trying to do this is because when when you have disturbances in the ionosphere, we can't communicate with our satellites.
15: HARP began with a congressional insertion uh, in the appropriations bill of, of Fiscal fiscal. Year- Year 1990. In essence, Congress directed the Defense Department to explore the potential for using um, the auroral regions um, for uh, improving communications and navigation and um, surveillance. Um, From there, uh, the assignment came that the Navy and the Air Force were to manage the program. It is uh, people from those two organizations that have worked together for the past seven years.
0: Applications uh, discussed in the patents included destroying missiles. Communications, control, and disruption were included. There were some other ideas, both to possibly modify weather, and finally, uh, to lift a portion of the upper atmosphere further out into space, where hopefully it would be able to deflect missile trajectories.
10: I don't know if I like the idea of lifting a portion of the atmosphere further into space with radio waves. It's a terrible Seems idea. Very
12: very dangerous. Very
10: because unstable. It, like it would
11: destabilize
10: the atmosphere.
11: Exactly. It would, like you can't just lift one portion of the atmosphere. I mean, without it lifting the rest of it. I mean, i like, think, okay, think of it like. Um, Plus if it's like a like, bubble, it could just pop the whole damn thing. Well, like what if you're underneath a blanket and then you like push up on part of the blanket? Like it doesn't just like lift up that one area, like the, the rest of the atmosphere around like it, Lifts up as well. It's got to be. That's got to be destructive. I mm. can't imagine.
12: And using that same analogy, if you were to lift up, you would get all kinds of air currents and everything underneath that too. And who knows what disruptive effects that could have.
10: Right. Right. Yeah, I'm. I'm skeptical. So seems,
12: yeah, I a would vote no on that. <laughs> if I was in a voting position, no on, on on a lot of this, like
11: <laughs> except for the stuff that has to do with um, extremely low frequency type
10: communications without spraying into the atmosphere like (laughs) like, yeah i don't know um Mm -hmm. here's here's another clip from holes in heaven this one's pretty interesting because it kind of ties into adam curry's earthquake machine theories
1: What we do by by beaming up radio frequency up into the ionosphere, um, that radio frequency, when it hits molecules of atmosphere, it tends to make the subatomic particles inside move faster, and that increases their temperature. So you can bring their temperature up to uh, 1600 degrees or so, which is normally what the sun does to those particles at that atmosphere. The ionosphere of the earth has got enormous amount of energy. There are 8000 thunderstorms going on all over the earth at any given moment. There are millions of amperes of electricity uh, pouring to the earth from
3: uh, lightning strikes and harp could create a trigger effect. In 1983, I did radio tomography with 30 watts, looking for oil in the ground. I found 26 oil wells over a nine-state area, and 100% of the time was accurate, which is 30 watts of power beaming straight into solid rock. Harp uses a billion watts beam straight into the ionosphere for experiments picture these strings on the piano as layers of the earth each one has its own frequency what we used to do is beam radio waves into the ground and it would vibrate any strings that were present in the ground we might get a sound back like and we'd say that's natural gas we might get a sound back like And we say that's crude oil. We were able to identify each frequency. We accomplished this with just 30 watts of radio power. If you do this with a billion watts, the vibrations are so violent that the entire piano would shake. In fact, the whole house would shake. In fact, the vibrations could be so severe underground that could even cause an earthquake.
10: Earthquake machine, bro. I was happy when I found that.
12: Hmm. But that sounds very inaccurate. Like you wouldn't be able to like pinpoint where the earthquake would happen.
10: Well, you'd have to directly target it, and it would work better from a satellite, like because you harp mainly goes into the atmosphere and the ionosphere. So you mm-hmm. would have to have a harp satellite that could pinpoint a direct location of the Earth from outside the Earth, instead of because you can't really point harp as far as I know to a location on the Earth. mm Hmm but it does give the possibility of earthquake machines especially if you have satellites that would act in a similar way that harp does the possibility but it seems like using that incredibly dangerous yeah yeah
12: yeah but that, like to repurpose any part of it to do something like that that seems like if you did that too many times you just start breaking the earth apart and you would have um reactions to your action that way like if you make that happen one place that means the plates are probably going to move in another area too to counterbalance it right and so that would be like that would be kind of like you would only be able to use that as an absolute last resort or that's the only time you would want to use it because you know it's like you have no idea what the reactions to it are going to be
10: yeah i mean i do i do believe pretty solidly that a lot of these people are mad scientists and that the most of them are well-reasoned, but the people at the top Mm -hmm. uh, compartmentalize the people that have good intentions. Makes sense. That corporate view of it, where it's just bottom line that matters. Yeah. Or I mean, who knows what the agenda is.
12: It's true.
11: Well, I mean, so here's one thing I wanted to say is that like harp isn't localized to just one location. Like they have harp. well, essentially the same thing as harp. Um, arrays all over the world and, and the ultimate goal of it was to have them like so far all over the world that they could basically do any one of these experiments anywhere at any time. So basically right. harp satellites in the sky, harp, harp arrays on the ground, harp, ri- like floating harp rigs out in the ocean. Um, like the, the earthquake shit is a little bit more on the, I guess, conspiracy theorist side. Like, I mean, uh, there's not a whole lot of like conclusive proof that they can do that. Although I think the earthquakes in Japan, um, like I can't remember what year that was, but there were some massive earthquakes that like, uh, destroyed a couple cities. And apparently, um, one of the Japanese generals admitted that, um, or japanese you know officials admitted that uh the u.s had threatened to essentially sink all of japan with an earthquake um but i don't know how like uh i guess reliable i didn't i didn't pull
10: much research on the earthquake machines because i don't think harp is one but that was kind of an aside is just like that harp scientist saying it would be possible with the amount of uh, watts that are because he said he was doing those scans with 30 watts and if harp has a billion watts pointed in the mm-hmm. right direction he said it could cause an earthquake. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that I mean there's pretty- also the um I was gonna say, there's also the stuff about Nikola Tesla where he
11: was able to um he had a little machine that would oscillate and he would put it on like the side of a building and it would like uh, uh, it, would, it would oscillate up and down until it found the exact same frequency that the building was essentially vibrating at. And then oscillated that frequency and until the building just crumbled. And apparently he yep. showed it to Mark Twain and Mark Twain wrote
10: about it, um, in his uh, autobiography and basically said that it made him shit his pants. <laughs> it's funny <laughs> you bring up Tesla because coming up, I have a clip, um, that hypothesizes that HARP might have been based on a couple of Tesla's patents. Oh. But, uh, yeah, finishing up that Holes in Heaven documentary, this is just a real short clip. I want you to guess who the narrator is, because he's narrating throughout the whole movie. All right. Perhaps true wisdom
1: lies in knowing our limitations and that even the laws of nature are uncertain. In view of these technologies, we're left to wonder. Do these experiments jeopardize our long-term survival? Okay, who is it? That's
10: Martin Shane. Fuck yeah, it is. These uh, experiments jeopardize our long-term survival. Martin Sheen. He narrated the opening of JFK, too. I like him. Uh, So, now round two. Guess the narrator. This one's a doozy.
4: Bloomfield, Michigan, 1942. As World War II rages across several continents, acclaimed architect and eventual designer of the St. Louis Arch, Aero Saarinen, is secretly enlisted by the United States military to work for a new clandestine organization. Its name? The OSS, Office of Strategic Services, or as it is known today, the CIA.
10: You got a guess so far?
4: I, yeah,
12: I I I, uh, I actually watched this clip already, so I know exactly who it is. Okay, so Noah, damn. if you want to give it a guess. I don't know, man. It sounds. Uh, I, I've been watching
11: like a lot of Oliver Stone documentaries lately, so like for some reason, it's making me think
10: it's in, this but one's. I know it's this not. one's goofy as hell. It's it's William Shatner. Yeah, this whole, I just oh, fuck this, this whole clip is <laughs> dude. This this whole clip is like okay, what? But it's still I was fun, about to say so this
11: guy trips over his words quite a bit. <laughs>
10: There's
4: something on the wing of the plane. The fact that Aero Saarinen was in the OSS designing weapon systems during World War II, and at a time when the OSS was looking into ways to weaponize weather, makes his whole connection to the design of the St. Louis Arch extremely interesting. (laughs) Now, that isn't to say I believe it can control the weather, but it does open the door to the idea that it might have been one of the things Saarinen was out to achieve. While at the OSS, sir,
10: I've been inside the St. Louis Arch. Me too. I will be really surprised if that thing is a weather weapon. There's no way, dude. It looks trippy. It is interesting that the guy that designed it was involved in weather weapon research, but that's the only connection they have, and they made a whole episode about it. I mean, he was also involved in like
4: architecture. Yeah, (laughs) right. While at the OSS, Saarneyn designed buildings and weapon systems, many of which were never completed or built. Is it possible he later used these secret plans to engineer the St. Louis Arch, creating something that can actually control or perhaps harness
5: the weather? Controlling the weather is the ultimate superweapon. It's even more powerful than the atomic bomb. So, Eero Saarinen was involved in analyzing and studying the possibility of weather modification. And you put all those factors together, and I think you have a guy that basically conducted a big, giant weather modification experiment with the St. Louis Arch.
4: Dun, 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 weather dun, dun, dun. as a weapon?
10: <laughs> we should, oh. we should, I'm going to ISO this. Weather
4: as a weapon? <laughs>
10: Beautiful. Weather? weather. I love weapon. I love Shatner, dude. Shatner's so cool. It's amazing. Anyway, I yeah, I don't lend any credence to that theory about the art. Yeah, I, I basically have nothing to say because I kind of think that's bullshit. Yeah, they don't <laughs> have anything to say in it either, other than like, oh, <gasps> The guy that designed the art was it, could it be? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, but you know how in one of the early clips, one of the scientists at HARP was talking about how the Navy and or in the Air Force are done with HARP. Uh, so they're supposed to demolish it afterwards. Right. Well, is whole... that what
12: he said? Or was he just saying when the facility is no longer being used? No they longer when, being when used by the Air
11: yeah. Force. Oh, okay. There's, well, the Air Force owns it. So basically
12: when they're no longer.
10: I don't they, think they, they do on paper anymore. anymore. They...
12: Do they own okay. the Maybe land not. though? Do they still own like, do they still have rights to the. Let's go See, back to that, like first that clip. sounds clip.
13: Yes. Was... Yeah. What? What? I was oh,
11: it just seems like it, that's it,
12: sort of a oh go ahead, no, sorry I
11: was going to say it, it sounds it sounded to me like he was saying that when they built the facility in the contract, it said that when it was no longer authorized for use, it would be the land would be in like remediated is what he said uh, mm-hmm. which basically means yeah, they're going to demolish the whole thing
8: yeah, laboratory, and so this is
13: just another way of of learning about the world around us. Because if the Air Force shuts it down, by prior agreement, they're required to remediate it, which means they have to go back and turn the land back into the way it was before they started. They'll have to bulldoze the whole site away.
12: if the Air Force decides to shut it down.
10: Okay, so I guess it's not if the Air Force is done with it.
12: But, um, yeah, anyways. it's just if they decide that the facility is no longer needed.
10: Right. Okay, so here but, is um, the Senate hearing about that. And there's some uh,
2: I wanted to ask a question, a couple of questions here about HARP, the high-frequency active auroral Research program. Uh, several of you at the table have a little bit of a piece here. As you know, this is located up in Alaska. It's currently funded by the Air Force Research Lab. It was formerly funded by the Office of Naval Research. One of the prime customers is DARPA. <laughs> Uh, which is currently running experiments at the facilities here. So uh, questions to to several of you this morning. I'm told by the president of the University of Alaska that the Air Force has pulled its support for the facility, and they're taking steps to to demolish it or take it down uh, this summer. Dr. Walker, your agency is currently running the facility. Um, uh, I've mentioned that it's our understanding through the president of UAF that, that the plans are to move forward and, and demolish the facility this summer. So the question to you is, is that accurate? Can you explain why? And then uh, perhaps to both you and Mr. Schaefer, is there any benefit in exploring a potential relationship with the University uh, of Alaska to, to perhaps take over the harbor? <coughs>
15: Yeah, thank you, Senator. It, the Air Force has uh, gotten great value out of HARP in the past. We, uh, we, we took it over from the Navy and managed it and actually did a number of uh, experiment campaigns up there, and uh, have finished our, our work that we are interested in doing up there. We've uh, moving on to other ways of uh, managing the ionosphere, which the HARP was really designed to do, was to inject energy into the ionosphere, be able to actually control it. And uh, but that work is, has been completed. Uh, the air force uh, has maintained the site for other government agencies to use for several years now and uh, with darpa completing their project that's our last government customer that we have in the site
10: so she seemed to think it was getting demolished and that was like five years ago mm-hmm. the senator did but uh, did you notice how he said <laughs> the the main purpose was to harness the ionosphere and control the ionosphere and that work is done Say they, they found other no, they said they found they're moving on to
11: other ways of doing so. So it sounds to me like they're just trying to cover their tracks. They don't want anyone getting in there to be able to explore some of the more secretive aspects of harp to be able to follow up and find out what they're what they've moved on to now. You know, like the government, they always say is however many years ahead of you know the private sector when it comes to technology and Thirty to fifty is the number usually yeah. thrown around. Yeah. So mm-hmm. chances are they they've already got some other kind of crazy atmospheric technology. I mean, you know that that, that they've been using. So yes, and Lyndon Johnson talked about controlling the weather by satellite. So, like, so n- normally I'd be all for the demolishing of HARP, but like, I mean that we kind of need it to be able to find out what they're doing.
12: So,
10: well, yeah, I mean, it seems like a tool.
12: It could be used for good or ill. Um, Right. It seems like a good thing if the University of Alaska was to take over it because then they could continue research, see what they were doing and see what they can come up with. And anything they do will be immediately published.
10: Right. I don't trust DARPA running something like that, but.
11: um, It says they've already done. They've already gotten done everything that they were going to do with it. So, I mean. Mm-hmm. That, that yeah, that fear is kind of uh, moot at this point. This, yeah, this, this at clip this point says uh, they already
12: have all that information,
10: right? Right. Well, yeah. I liked how the guy said the Air Force guy said, uh, "Yeah, we're, th- we we uh, the intention was to control the ionosphere, and that work is complete." Which, yeah, implies that they have a better way of doing it now. But um, <clears throat> this he kind actually of, says we've moved on to other ways of doing so. Right. So, like he. So this. It. uh This ties into Tesla, but also there's a kicker at the end that's kind of what you're saying, Noah.
5: Tesla was a genius whose intelligence bordered the miraculous. He had an eidetic memory, being able to view his inventions like vivid photographs in his head. He was the fourth of five children, a futurist, and invented a plethora of technologies we still use today. And although he was arguably the most prolific and world-changing inventor of the 20th century, after the failure of his most high-reaching invention, the Tesla Tower, he faded into obscurity, dying broke, senile, and practically unknown. Tesla had perhaps thousands of other ideas and inventions that remained unreleased, with some saying the FBI raided his home and stole them shortly after his death. A look at his hundreds of patents shows a glimpse of the scope he intended to offer, one of which, some purport, can be found in the specifications of HARP. In 1912, Tesla envisioned a way to tame the sky making the atmosphere glow. He developed alternating current, high-frequency radio technology, and attempted to create, quote, free energy, experimenting with both high and low frequencies and electromagnetic waves, with one stated intent being to manipulate the weather and to create shields around the Earth to protect us from missiles, going as far as to say he knew how to split the Earth in two.
10: Which, by the way, the uh, director of Harper, one of the scientists from that earlier clip, said, I'm not sure how this would work, but that was what he said, is we could push out part of the ionosphere further into space and use that to deflect missiles. Not sure how that would work. That, so it but sounds I know like...
12: he said both of those things, but is that what he said? They wanted to push it out to deflect missiles? I thought they had another system that they had that they wanted to deflect missiles with.
11: I think they have a couple. I'm pretty sure they dire- that, directed pushing it out like was energy. part of it. Hmm. They've got lasers that they can, that they can use to disable missiles and like, uh, and, and direct them. But he definitely did say that, uh, one of the things they wanted to do with it was to lift the atmosphere to direct, uh, to, um, basically take the current. Cause, cause basically intercontinental ballistic missiles go into space and then mm. reenter the atmosphere. So right. his idea was, or, or the plan was lift the atmosphere while it's on its way to basically
12: uh, move its oh, trajectory into the ocean. Yeah, basically. Oh, to, like oh that. I figured it would be to trap it
10: in the like outside of the atmosphere. Well, so oh, it, that, might be, like it, that might be it too. I'm not sure what how it would work, but <clears throat> it seemed like that was one of the reasons they wanted to push out the ionosphere. Mm. I don't know. It, it sounds to me like that's something you don't want orbiting Earth,
11: but you know, <laughs> well, definitely not. <laughs> but but yeah,
12: to... they're trapped or something. I don't know.
11: Yeah, it sounds to me like the, uh, the FBI or Harp definitely did get a hold of some some uh, of Tesla's plans, you know, or to create HAARP. It's, Harp, it's essentially. been
10: widely reported, even though I haven't taken the time to confirm it, that the FBI did raid Tesla's lab after he died and took all his research. And then there's right. people saying that uh, Trump's uncle somehow got like a bunch of tes- like Tesla's patents. Yeah, he died in a
11: hotel room, um, and they, and he had like several books, I think, with all of his plans, and nobody ever recovered them, you
10: know, when they found his body, so. They were gone. Hmm. Yeah, and that's just what was in the hotel room. That's not counting his house and his lab. Right
5: around the earth to protect us from missiles going as far as to say he knew how to split the earth in two and in 1985 bernard eastland applied for patents that could make some of these ideas real and over the span of seven years was granted three for a project that was just like harp only much larger and more powerful
0: picture holding your microwave oven in your hands with the door open then you can move it around and send those microwaves different directions And for these applications, where I wanted precise control of where the power was, uh, I felt that was the best type of antenna to use. And that is the kind that HARP has built.
5: Under the control of the Atlantic Richfield Company, or ARCO, Eastland was to use a transmitter encompassing 160 square miles, powered by massive amounts of electricity that was generated using vast Alaskan natural gas reserves.
0: To give you a feel for how much gas they asked me to find an application for, it was enough gas to produce all the electricity in the United States for a full year. There were some other ideas, both to modify weather and finally to lift a portion of the upper atmosphere further out into space. It is possible with a big beam to take a part of that upper atmosphere and push it out for it.
5: Harp officials deny any link to <coughs> Eastland's patents, but a key detail suggests otherwise. While Harp was still operated by the military Argo, who again was the holder of the Eastland patents, was the very contractor that built and managed Harp, leading some to theorize that the military is done with Harp because they've now moved on to Eastland's technology and that this project is occurring in secret. But if that's the case, hiding a 160-mile Harp-like facility would seem impossible unless of course as some have theorized they spread that capability across the planet.
10: So that goes back to what you were saying, Noah. That they would right. have made an improved version of HARP, and what Matthew Buddha says there is, yeah, if they spread the, instead of hiding one giant frequency, if they spread like little um, nodes of HARP across the planet, it would work in a much more efficient way. Right. And they also
11: do it in other countries as well, yeah. Like through there, I'm sure by lending them funding, U.S. funded research weather research facilities. I know one's called IceCat.
10: I can't. Uh, yeah. I think that one's in Peru. The Netherlands had one before um, HARP was even built, but it was right, it's nowhere as powerful right. as HARP. I'm sure.
11: Uh yeah and then the one and then also the one he was talking about the 160 miles it, it's it's not like it's 160 miles of facility it's it's like a 160 mile diameter and then they've got these poles that are like put into the ground they're like i I think at one point they were 75 feet high they may not even need to be that tall anymore are you talking about um, harp yeah I'm ta- well I'm talking about harp or and or these uh, facility well, the, the facility that he was talking about that they they've moved to that's, well, yeah, that's well, more powerful well, than Hart. Eastland
10: Eastland held patents and it's allegedly never got completed, but Eastland held yeah, patents for, alleged. an uh, a, for a, um, uh facility that was 160 miles long. Exactly. And
11: that, that's the one that was essentially like Hart but more powerful. Right. So yeah, th- th- that's what I'm, I'm talking about that they've got these things that that's, that's the rumor essentially.
10: And it apparently was, they have one and they've got
11: one in Russia too. I think something like and that.
10: And the amount of, natural gas eastland was working with to power his facility he said was enough to power the entire united states for a full year
12: which is insane now, was he actually using that or was that just what they said was going to be required well that was no, the that's holder of the
10: patents it?
11: well no they were actually that using the- that so so the company i, uh, th- I think acon or a or whatever whatever the fuck it was called they mm-hmm. they actually found that land. They have the ownership rights to it. It's natural gas field in Ala- in Alaska.
10: Right. They were trying to sell it, but they couldn't. Um, Hart denies so essentially- that there's a connection, though, even though there's an obvious connection to Eastland and Hart. For sure.
12: So he actually had access to that much natural gas. Yes. And exactly. was this and who? And he's the uh, holder
10: of the patents for it.
12: Okay, now did he now did he have the patents beforehand or did he patent it after he had the natural gas? After. After but he okay, had the well patents before was it, made. That almost seems like he like patented this like uh kind of solidify ownership of it cuz that's yeah. got to be worth what? Millions if not billions of dollars to
10: have well, that the, much the, natural, the, the natural the gas, gas alone the would be the are like separate tr- from the natural gas. gas.
11: Like he, he already had ownership rights to that natural gas. He didn't have to do the patents for, for the natural gas. My, my idea, at least with the natural gas stuff, um, is that by powering the HARP facility with that natural gas, you could do all of these incredibly high power requirement, uh, experiments on the side without having to have the power usage documented anywhere exactly right
12: but so. if you've got that much access to natural gas the government is going to get involved at some point they're going to be regulating and watching what you're doing there's no way to get around that oh yeah no
10: eastland yeah. didn't if do this a, shit on his own if you got enough no, he, money though you can get away with no regulations i mean we know that from wait are you, the, trying, to, are you, to you the history trying to say of, that eastland did this
11: like did this shit on his own like no. he was definitely uh like in cahoots with the with the air force or then or i'm sorry the the navy at that
12: time absolutely absolutely because he's got to protect that too because like the government's going to come in and there's like essentially going to be a protection racket at that point because a single person trying to own that much without the government getting involved is not going to happen because the government will just come in and take it eh, eh, like they'll just figure right. out a way to come in and take it
10: billionaires usually well, I think- billionaires usually end up having more sway on the government than the government has on them now they well, strike noticed, the deal. Was I mean, a deal. was Eastland a billionaire? I don't think he was. Well, if you're right and he owned all that natural gas, he was e- easily a billionaire. Well, no, he was oh, yeah, trying. That, to, the value he was, he that was trying to
11: sell it. Like he, he, get, he acquired the rights to it and he was trying to sell it and then basically the government is became its buyer. Right. Mm.
12: Yeah, which was which would make sense because they would want access to it whether or not they're doing anything with it out there. That could have just right. been like a essentially a cover story to acquire the natural gas. Right. It's like, oh, we're going to do a bunch of research out here. It's like, no, nah, we're going to take it. We're going to sell it. And a whole bunch of politicians are going to make a whole bunch of money.
11: Well, I'm pretty sure that's what they reference when they sell. Well, that's one of the things they reference. I I remember this was a hot issue like maybe eight years ago whenever Sarah Palin and, uh, was running for uh, Vice. Was was she on uh Yeah, McCain's vice president. okay. McCain, McCain, that's it. I remember they were talking a lot about the resources that were available in Alaska and how we're not utilizing those and we should be back then. So these natural gas fields might be one of the things that they were referencing. Hmm.
12: That would definitely make sense. All that energy out there that's not being utilized for research purposes or if it's a private owner. And so like there's no access to it. But right, right, You would definitely, as a politician, for just tax purposes, and for how much your, uh, how much the value of your uh, area would go up, state, region, whatever, you would definitely want that to come in there because you'd have more jobs, you'd have more high dollar companies coming in to get that gas out of there, selling it.
8: Well, especially now. Get,
12: yeah, like you'd probably get reelected for the rest of your life.
11: Right.
8: Yeah. You I have mean,
12: only you know. people out there would be workers because you're in Alaska right and well
11: and also that's like a lot of natural resources within our country that you know it's wealth that's you know ours alone when it comes to energy and oil like we're not mm-hmm. having to rely on foreign countries for access to you know uh yeah we're not having to buy it from other countries basically. And, right right and go into well, debt like for back natural in the day resources. like world, world war 2 time like that's kind of like colonial sort of like you <laughs> Your a a military base in air quotes in a country was basically just a method of controlling that country and harvesting the resources, but now we've got like the fucking internet and shit, so you can't really get away with that as easily like <laughs> mm-hmm.
12: yeah. yeah
10: it's all out in the open, oh well, all more out right. in the open it's not all more out in the open. open more out in the open exactly, true, all right now we can get into uh I guess the entremont. Or the crescendo. Uh, we'll go back to uh, back to Kim real quick since they kind of tie in. And for this, we're going to go back in time to episode ten when Caleb and I both talked out of our ass with having no nothing to back it up. Whoop whoop. Um, That's where the SAI's come in, bro. The SAI's. Stratospheric
12: aerosol injections. Oh, that—that's absolutely nonsense. That is. That, <laughs> Why that's are they doing not that in most
10: countries, though? They
12: have talked about doing it. As far as I know, no one has actually tried doing that because it's super dangerous.
10: No, they I admit mean, they admit they're doing it. Uh, John Brennan, the head of the CIA, said they've been working on it for a while. They've, they've been, been working, working on
12: the a plan to do it, is what I understand. Not actually implementing it yet because they got to be able to do it safely. And so that the aerosols that they inject into the air, like, don't just stay there and burn up the ozone layer or whatever else they can do. It doesn't, are, I don't think they're actually... These are I the mean,
10: same government institutions that blew up hydrogen and nuclear bombs in the upper atmosphere. Why would spraying some chemtrails really be that big of a deal to these people?
12: Oh, because, because what the they're talking about now. with doing that is like a massive amount of it. It's not like a...
10: Well, they've they they right, they've done it on a small scale. So you're saying they're not doing it on a massive scale.
12: Yeah, not on the scale of being able to affect um, like the upper atmosphere and stuff. Like the way that he was talking about it where they needed like, what was it, like a trillion dollars or something for the plan to do it. It was basically just something they threw out there. It was like, hey, maybe this will work. I think that was the idea behind it. Chemtrails would be like from a plane. They'd be like on a much, much smaller scale where the idea wasn't for it to hang in the atmosphere. The idea was for it to sink to the earth, you know, sink to the ground.
10: Yeah. I mean, who knows? Honestly, I
12: mean, I mean, I'm not an expert in it. That's just my understanding of the of the subject. I'm not saying I'm right. I just we should do a whole episode
10: on chemtrails. Yeah,
12: definitely. That sounds fun.
10: Yeah! We're doing half an episode on chemtrails. All right, so. There you uh, go. I have this uh, linked in the show notes for the full thing, but Shasta County, California, did a uh, geoengineering hearing where they took testimony from pilots, medical doctors, meteorologists, um Biologist, microbiologist, neurologist, and two guys that were former Department of Defense. And, uh, this is a long clip, so I'm just gonna needle drop if it gets too boring.
7: Aircraft making a condensation trail is very similar in many ways to when you go outside on a cold day and exhale, you create a condensation trail, that little cloud is a condensation trail. Now if you take a two-mile walk on a cold day and you can turn around and you can see your condensation trail tracking all the way back for two miles, (laughs) that's how crazy it is to think that what we're looking in the sky is actually condensation trails. The contrails, not the chemical. Contrails occur because of cold air, minus 30, it takes a high altitude, around 30,000 feet plus. There's carbon dioxide and water vapor in that exhaust. That turns to ice crystals, and that's what you see, the white stream behind it. Those white crystals of ice warm up, dissolve, and the smoke goes away and it never lasts more than a minute. What we're seeing now, and I first could not believe it, and I started looking at the skies, and these are not normal. They're not natural. There's something going on. I don't know who it is or why they're doing it. All I can testify is it's not natural and it's not normal. It's gotta be some outside influence doing that. Thank you.
1: I'm here to give you testimony that chemtrails, they're not contrails, are indeed real. They're spraying almost every day. I watch the clouds and watch the spraying program going on. I look around and I see
7: people are starting to look up and see this. Many times I've spoken about chemtrails, and I get this blank look on my face. What are you talking about? I'm saying, look up as a pilot. But before I fly, I look up. And so, boy, they're really out there working.
1: When you look up at the sun and you see a white haze, that is aluminum floating in the air right now, and it's coming from the aircraft.
7: There's a huge amount of uh, aluminum being found because these sprays have aluminum, strontium, barium, manganese, and uh, there's a lot of argument that aluminum is very common to be found, but aluminum is only common in a bonded form. It's not common in a free form, and we're finding
1: high rates of free aluminum uh, in the soil, which is not natural. The metal compounds that are being used are environmentally dangerous. We need to be monitoring them. We need to be testing them.
7: Okay, these previous guys, I've watched exactly what they do, and yes, they are correct. I've seen exactly the same stuff, so ditto marks on those. You want some figures? Okay, latest water test, tested the rain. 13,100 micrograms per liter of aluminum in the rain in 2013. Normally, it should be zero. So 13,100 is pretty damn much, folks. It used to be zero. Then it was 100s in the 2000s. And then in uh, since 2010, it's into the 1000s and the latest 13,100. In the snow on Mount Shasta, pristine Mount Shasta, 61,000 micrograms per liter, four times the amount that is found in the soil up there. Where in the hell is this stuff coming
1: from if it's not coming from the soil? <laughs> we have clouds in the sky we've never seen before almost every day i'm seeing clouds i've never seen before
10: so that's a meteorologist talking there but um i'm gonna skip ahead a little bit because there's just another 10 minutes of this but it's worth watching the whole thing for sure i watched it all and i loved it it was very informative
11: like i mean it like very reliable information from reliable people a lot of experts
10: that you can check their credentials and they're legit
12: Okay, that one guy was given a whole lot of numbers about the amount of aluminum that's being found in the water and the soil. Yeah, Where does he think it comes just... from? Where does he think? Uh, what's his name?
10: I'd have to. I just have the audio for this, so I'd have to go back and look. But they, they okay. do well, yeah. um, clarify that it is there is a natural amount of aluminum in the soil that you're going to find. Yeah, this is eggs. yeah. This is um, normally it's bound. And I'm not a microbiologist, so I'm just kind of regurgitating this. But normally, the the aluminum <clears throat> and the barium is bound, the naturally occurring ones. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is um like nanoparticles that have been unbound, so they don't get processed by plants and animals that ingest them, like natural aluminum would.
12: Okay, so where do they theorize it is coming from?
10: Uh, well, so what what they talk
11: about is they talk about the increase of nano particles over the years like it's it's skyrocketing over the last like i think 15 years or something like that
10: well because that mm-hmm. type of aluminum doesn't occur in nature the type of mm-hmm. aluminum they're finding in, in particular areas i like you'd have to play the rest of it where they actually talk about the, they go into uh, very heavy detail it's a full three hours but i got 10 mm-hmm. minutes more of it if you want to go deeper into it
12: uh do you have a clip of where they say they think or theorize that the aluminum is coming from
10: Uh, yeah, we can keep going for a little bit.
1: And NASA has been even named a few of these new clouds. Uh, it's, it's really interesting, but NASA is a corporation. I want you to know that. Uh, NASA has also uh, conducted a research program in what they call metallized fuels. We're actually putting aluminum oxide right in the fuel because it has two atoms of aluminum and three atoms of oxygen. So during the combustion process it releases all that oxygen and dramatically
16: increases efficiency, but it leaves the aluminum in the air. We got things coming from sky down. and. It's a huge, huge problem. Because as it comes down, what happens is a couple of things. Is that it actually is in our air, we breathe it. And as we breathe it, it's actually going to go up through our nostrils, into our brain, easiest access to our brain frontal lobe. The contaminants that are in, that have been identified, which already have been mentioned, are aluminum. Aluminum is the number one neural uh, free radical generator to the brain to cause early apoptosis, which is early death of brain, and it begins to set off the scar tissue, which we call the amagulan, which, which is part of the uh, chemical matrix related to Alzheimer's. I'm a neurologist practicing in Reading for 17 years,
7: and in the past five years, I have seen the number of patients with Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's, and other neurodegenerative diseases tremendously increase, almost quadruple. I became interested in chemtrails about years ago when I was in Hawaii, and the Hawaiians are really being very vocal about it. I concur about the increase in number of Alzheimer's. They have been able to take the aluminum and micronize it, which means it will stay up longer. As you heard, to spray nanoparticles, very small particles, these nanoparticles, they basically trigger a programmed
16: cell death in the brain. And that is the ultimate path we see in Alzheimer's. That's problem number one, because when we look at the Alzheimer issue, we say those are the old. The real problem is, and the real scare I have, is as I am a father of two, I'm a grandfather of three. So the drama is, is our children. ADD started in the 70s. Autism was not on the radar. There was no documents. There was no information. It was one in 100,000 children. Today, what we have is one in 48 boys.
10: By the way, uh, can you think of something outside of whether chemtrails exist or not? Can you think of something else that is chock full of unbound aluminum? vaccines. And- yes. Ah.
11: It was part
16: of the early group that was looking for aluminum in ADD and ADHD. And all of those children that started to develop those phenomena had high levels of aluminum. When we figured out protocols to detox them out to free the body of those particular contaminants, what happened is that their brains came back.
10: So this guy was involved in the study of autism and ADHD. This is what he just. I kind of might have talked over it, but a little bit of it. But basically what he's saying is... He was involved in the first study looking at aluminum uh, particles in the brain hmm. in regards to ADHD and especially autism. And when they detox the brain, the autism went away. How are they able to detox the brain? <laughs> uh, like you can detox, like if you have mercury poisoning... And it's not a lethal amount you can detox uh through mm-hmm. various methods. So I'm assuming most heavy most heavy metals you can detox from. It just takes time so it's a bloodstream. But yeah,
12: it's, they it's not had just a, the brain, a 100%, They had a one hundred percent success rate with no detox. Was, I don't
11: think he said that. The detoxing worked on uh when they got it early enough, like young, very, very young children. When it mm-hmm. was older, it worked for a lot of people. Um sometimes mm-hmm. it took more time. You know, but uh, is, this is what he said. So I I didn't do any background research into this or anything like yeah, that.
12: Yeah, I was going to say, pharma. if this has as high a success rate as it sounds like, I mean, this should be like front page news when it comes to, you know. Well, we all know. Autism well, research. We all
10: know big pharma and big medicine yeah, are I'll not say, promoting this kind of stuff, but. Yeah, what we know mm-hmm. about the medical
11: industry, they will suppress uh, cures to certain things if they can make more money off of a less efficient um, drug yeah. that you, their, they're, mm-hmm. you know, the medical, patients have to stay on for forever. The
5: medical so
10: industrial complex or big pharma is not in the business of curing things. They're in the business of selling you a prescription that you have to keep buying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
16: Yeah, this is our children, times,
10: so yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, many times those prescriptions
11: also cause mental health problems too. Like that's one thing I'm starting to see a lot more of. It's just that how many different medications for different conditions have a side effect that induces mental health issues, like and a side it, effect it, that mean, they prescribe the number more is pills to
10: take care of that side effect and it's exactly a never-ending right or right. russian doll of pills you have to take once you're on one of yeah th- this drug to stop your epilepsy and your convulsions
11: causes depression and now i'm going to give you an ssri or something you know, some zoloft or something
10: uh to deal with yeah, that but, and but that, but now, antide- now you
11: can't sleep anymore so i'm going to have to give you some benzos
10: but the like, an- yeah the antidepressant you know that that causes uh uh you know, you're you're sluggish, so we'll have to give you some Adderall for it to take care of that. <laughs>
12: <laughs> then you're on just everything that they could possibly sell you.
10: Yep. My grandpa was on, he was on like, he was taking like 20 prescription pills a day and it all started with one pill and the rest were mm-hmm. for side effects that cascaded from the first one. Mm-hmm. Right. And
11: like a recent uh, 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 huge name, Jordan Peterson, just put out a video about how he got That's hooked on crazy. benzodiazepines for a year and nearly died. That was a crazy uh, went, story. Yeah. Had to go to Russia, basically, yeah. to get, like,
14: proper
10: care
11: and
14: get Because no one in of. the United
10: States could help them. Be- and they all, yeah, that's just the and story they, they of American went to medicine. Europe. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, Canada. Caleb, if you're interested in more of the details about the exact numbers mm-hmm. of the aluminum and stuff, it does happen somewhere in here, but I'm not sure where. It's another five okay, minutes but
12: inside inside this talk though they do talk about like the process and the numbers
10: yeah and they, they get yeah, back if, uh, to it if you had yeah. the full okay. three hours then they would be much more in detail this is just highlights but I'm, it'll come no, up I'm sure yeah. unless you want to move on because it's it'll be another five minutes of this to find it probably now nah, basically if, if to... I can
11: summarize what I remember of it like yeah it's a couple guys who are uh biologists and ecologists and they've taken as well. Yeah, the guys who were talking about the, the health aspects of it when it comes to Alzheimer's and dementia were neurologists. Um, but when it comes to when they were talking about the cause of it. It was ecologists and biologists. Yeah, wildlife um, biologist was one of them. He was exactly. He was talking about and they were taking samples yeah. of, of so- soil samples, water samples, like a, a stream samples, that kind of thing, and analyzing it over the course of many years, comparing the, the uh, results to, you know, archive past results and the increase of unbound aluminum in the um uh soil and in the water was like i mean insane it said it went from like one to i think 15 particles or particulate something like that to a hundred over like two years then to Mm -hmm. like a thousand over three years then like um uh, it got up to 10,000, I think the most recent, or the one that they- 13,100 the is
10: 2014's number. Right, 2014, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And another thing to keep in mind here is, um, what are the chances that the crazy crackpot quote unquote, conspiracy theorists who have been screaming about chemtrails for decades saying they're spraying aluminum in the air, and that was always poo-pooed as complete nonsense, even though it was, you know, former military- Lieutenants even talking about they know about the programs sometimes, but that was all poo-pooed as nonsense. They're not spraying aluminum in the air. That's crazy. That's crazy. And then, you know, 15 years later, all these environmentalists come out. The UN comes out. George Soros is coming out and other people saying, well, yeah, we actually need to spray aluminum in the air, specifically micronized aluminum to combat global warming and reflect the sun's rays is that a coincidence that the exact compound that conspiracy theorists for decades said was being sprayed is now the exact same thing we need to do to combat global warming or are they trying to normalize something that was considered fringe it's i don't know no i mean this is no this is exactly
11: how i mean if there is uh, all the stuff we talk about when it comes to conspiracy theories you know it's all being controlled and implemented by a cabal um, maybe, or different cabals, you know, um, within the government. And it seems like with every single one, you have a pattern of thought control. Like the only, like the only way it all works with all this information coming out is if they have control of the news and they're able to brand anyone who circulates these ideas as a conspiracy theorist, a nut job, a crazy, uh, Right, all those different things, like, and that's that's true throughout, like, the past eighty years. It seems like well, COVID is a
10: great example of that, where Nobel Peace-winning scientists, statisticians that are like always for decades have been well-respected, top of their class. Now, when they talk, say the wrong thing about COVID, they get banned, and they're they're crackpots.
11: Right, And and that's just step one, like of the thought control. Like first, you call them crazy, and then you implement a religion surrounding, like, um. The, the ideas you want in society that like that's what's going on with climate change, like what you were saying, George Soros and all these people coming out and saying we need SAIs now it's and they'll use it and they'll they'll be self-righteous about it and basically say, hey, well, you're you don't want to help the climate if you don't support these ideas without even getting into the details and, and uh, debating them. You know, it's, it's like there's this multi-step plan for thought control. Um, surrounding a lot of these these ideas.
10: Can you guys guess who the yeah. number one funder of SAI research is? George Soros. Nope. Yeah, close. George Soros. Oh. No, it's close. Hmm. Who is it? Bill Gates. Oh, vaccines <laughs> and you know, in SAIs, boy. You, do you know who else uh, funded it? Not to nearly the extent that Bill Gates did. Sais. Jeffrey Epstein. Ooh. really okay well wow he was involved in the whole harvard uh studies about it he's funded vaccine research and nanotechnology research at harvard as well epstein did so yeah these people that are pushing this stuff are not your friends population control man yeah um but my theory basically is like if i have to like because originally i thought like yeah chemtrails um the reason they're spraying aluminum and Barium them in the shit in the sky is probably population control just to hurt people's health long term. But the more I've looked into HARP, I would say it seems like it's to enhance communications and surveillance rapidly and globally to help them. Their signals be way more live time and not have any latency because it's the signals are traveling way faster if you have all that aluminum nanoparticles in there. So it's almost Man. like it, you don't even have to, it doesn't even have to be to hurt people. It's just indirectly that's going to happen. It's communications and surveillance. That is
11: absolutely true, but that's just one of the things. Can I actually run down this list of uh, things that HARP is involved in? Yeah. Real quick. Um like the original stated purpose was obviously just like analysis and whatnot, frequency manipulation, research only, but the capabilities and applications based that scientists have said like harp is uh, able to do based off what they've seen is power beaming to earth like tesla style wireless power transfer utilizing gases in ionosphere power beaming to orbital satellites and space stations which all this aluminum stuff in the atmosphere is going to help with that like you're going to be able to transfer larger amounts of power from like one station to another station um by having that in the atmosphere You got sunlight reflection, charged particle acceleration, like a beam weapon uh, over horizon radar, um, long distance communications, extremely low frequency uh, or very low frequency communications, ELF, VLF, atmospheric heating. Um, They've gotten to the point where they can do one watt per CC or cubic centimeter of air. Um, uh, like that amount of uh, power, power over a small area. It used to be a millionth of a watt before, I think, like 1980. That's what we were capable of doing. Now uh, now we're capable of doing one watt per cc. Um, an artificial ion- uh, ionospheric mirror used for over-horizon radar. That's what that Star Wars missile defense program thing was about. They were going to have a plasma mirror in the sky. They could shoot uh, a laser at toward a missile to... Uh, make it go off course then earthquake manipulation using resonant frequencies of the earth. And then the other thing that is probably one of the worst things and also ties into chemtrails and MK ultra is mind slash mood control using ultra low frequencies and the aluminum in the atmosphere. Basically they can, uh, using like, like between, I think one and three Hertz sound waves, uh, over large areas, they can basically get a subliminal or subtle message into your brain. They can change your mood, all sorts of different things.
10: Yes, Scientific American uh, and Baltimore Sun, especially Scientific American, published that whole paper on mind control by cell phone with the uh, different types of RF waves, how they affect the, uh, proven to affect mood and behavior. Absolutely insane, man. Like all, all this stuff, like this is basically like,
11: I mean, science fiction level, like, evil, like Dr. Evil type, you know, shit going on.
10: It's definitely pretty crazy. Uh, I'll finish. I skipped to the end of this because I skipped about nine minutes ahead just to finish off this hearing, but I'll link it in the show notes and would highly recommend. Even if you don't watch the full thing, like the 15 minute boil down is pretty good. And that's a good jumping off point because you can follow each of these guys research individually
1: military-industrial complex by both Eisenhower and Kennedy. They're gaining traction on us, folks. We are in trouble more than just a spraying program. All I can
7: say is it's about time we get up in arms about this, because it is affecting our health. It's high time that we as citizens of this great country take action.
15: Board of Supervisors in Suffolk County, New York, they outlawed geochemical engineering. Hawaii passed an ordinance prohibiting geochemical engineering. I urge you to bar geoengineering in Shasta County and pass an ordinance. At least ask some damn questions. What's the hell is all this aluminum doing here? Why are the trees dying, fishes dying? Why is there Alzheimer and aluminum spiking? And why are these fibers on the ground here in Shasta County? Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Marmon. Today,
4: the County Board of Supervisors has been the beneficiary of some, some sincere, passionate, and knowledgeable comments, and I thank you for those. I am in agreement with my colleagues about sending letters and a call for action, but I would hope that we could go a step further. I would like for us send a copy of this video where all of you spoke today. All two and a half or three hours of this testimony can be sent to our senators and our US representatives and also also our representatives in the state of California. Let them listen to the passion that came
15: out of this meeting today. You have uh, the motion in front of you. I think it's understood. All in favor say aye. <laughs> aye. aye. Any opposition? Motion passes unanimously.
4: <laughs> <He> passes unanimously. <laughs> so, uh,
10: who knows who David Keith is? Not me. Who's David Keith? He is one of the main proponents of the... SAI program saying that like one of the main guys scientists pushing it I guess you could say um not funding it but like one of the guys on the front lines and out um, there talking
12: about it wanting it to happen
10: yeah he's like the spokesperson I guess you'd say so um both yeah both of us were talking out of our ass on the apocalypse episode about chemtrails but just to correct the record on one thing It's actually super cheap to spray aluminum in the atmosphere. It's not like a trillion dollar plan. In fact, it wouldn't really cost anything is from what David Keith argues.
6: In 2018, scientists will take bold steps to explore a technology that could reverse the effects of climate change.
8: It's an engineering project that would literally touch every living thing on the planet.
6: They're looking at ways to reflect sunlight back into space and cool down the Earth. Geoengineering is the pioneering science that could well be on everyone's lips in 2018.
4: The idea of geoengineering is the idea that humans purposefully influence the climate of the planet. Solar geoengineering specifically is the idea of introducing a substance into the stratosphere that will cool down the planet by reflecting back sunlight.
8: If we turn down the sun a little bit, that brings the Earth's energy more into balance and that could reduce some of the risks like extreme storms or extreme temperatures. Exactly. Okay, so what do we do? So the other thing is horrifying It is that you could actually spray sulfuric acid in the stratosphere twenty kilometers over our head and use that to stop the planet warming up. And okay, kind wait, of ugly you, tech fix. You could you can spray something into the atmosphere to Okay, yes. okay spray okay. pollution into the atmosphere to stop it warming. I made a decision or there was a collective decision to do a geoengineering program. Okay, this, yeah, this is my favorite
10: little David Keith uh, clip. This is one everybody loves to play. Oh, topic warming.
8: I made a decision, or there was a collective decision, to do a geoengineering program, and you put, say, uh, um, the kind of program I think makes more sense, to put about a million tons a year, and then say, you might end up killing many tens of thousands of people a year as a direct result of that decision.
10: But I'm still going to advocate for it with every breath. What an idiot
8: a little picture is from a nanofabrication study which shows you can make very high quality and do this in just a jet in a very simple way make high quality aluminum particles just by spraying aluminum vapor out which oxidizes so it's certainly in principle possible to do that there's a big literature that's already looked at that
10: doesn't it sound like they're just trying to normalize what they've been doing for decades because this is how this come across this this is how it comes across to me does sound like they're trying to like bring it out into the open a little bit more and it's they're proposing the exact same thing that has been ridiculed as a conspiracy theory with the same chemicals it's just too it's too convenient it's it's
11: well it's double think man like you're exactly right they're trying to normalize it they say the horrific thing in a tone that's like monotone and like makes it sound like it's nothing and then they say they're going to continue doing it anyway and like this is a good thing
10: like out the other side of their mouth it's i think it's a form of thought control to be honest yeah and if the scientific and medical critics of this, but especially the scientific, like microbiologists and these all these uh, wildlife biologists, are, and if their criticism is correct, then they are literally destroying the ecosystem and the environment in the name of protecting the environment. Right. All
11: and re- and really for centralized power purposes, probably. Yeah, I especially, mean, that, especially that's, if that's the, the aluminum helps
10: their like lifetime surveillance.
11: Right. The, the main criticism I've always heard when it comes to chemtrails, and I think I've offered or put out there sometimes, is that, like, if they're spraying all this shit into the atmosphere and it's going to damage and hurt, like, the human race in horrible ways, how on earth can they possibly separate themselves from the effects of chemtrails? Like, That's a good question. Why, it's why would like elites know- want to do this if they're going to poison and kill themselves as well and their children? Like, Well... You know,
10: there's a couple ways I could answer that. Uh, One is, you know, how when the Joker sprays out his like toxin in Batman, he has the antidote already. Right. Then there's also the fact that most psychopaths and psychopaths tend to be more attracted to gaining power. And that's why they do. They're more cutthroat. They also have a death wish. A lot of them. That's why like like school shooters end up killing themselves or, you know.
11: Yeah, but th- I don't think that applies here because we're talking about a cabal of highly intelligent, wealthy people who are um, in, you know, positions of power already. And right. I mean, if anything, if they've got some sort of psychopathic mindset, they look at the rest of, you know, uh, the population as scum or cattle or, you know, it's something less Goals. than and they would view themselves as gods. At the very least expendable you know? compared to themselves. Right, right. The tools for sure. to get for to sure. where they want to get. Right, exactly. But, exactly. but it's like uh, okay, it's just let's a form say, of classism or racism, really. <laughs> like,
12: separation of powers and such. Uh, but let's say that they are spraying and have been doing all this stuff for years and that they have had the antidote since the beginning. What purpose does this
10: serve? Well, that's why my new thesis is that the aluminum is. What like aluminum in the atmosphere helps global communications be way more instantaneous because mm-hmm. it allows the radio frequency like signals to travel way faster than they would in a natural environment. Okay, it's a conductor.
12: So the the, the purpose it's, it's of it isn't necessarily man. nefarious.
11: Well, it's like a super high tech. Nefarious. It's pretty. Nefarious it's like a super high tech text- Swiss Army knife like i mean like they can do a lot of shit with it not only Mm -hmm. can it transfer signals faster but it can also intercept signals so say there's another country that's shooting a signal to to another country like through your little ionized you know aluminum field or whatever the fuck you're going to be able Mm -hmm. to actually intercept their message without them knowing like they've got like shit tons of purposes for this stuff without it just being poisoning Mm -hmm. people you know
12: but on that same note, if like, okay, let's say that there's a country that has figured out how to do this. You have to assume because it's just, um, I guess, like the, the logical uh, reasoning you would have to do is that the other people, the other countries can do this as well. Right. Like, yeah, well, it, it, seems, out it seems technology.
10: like a, since it's happening worldwide and people, if, if it, for the sake of argument, chemtrails, if they're happening, they're happening worldwide. I mean, people across the planet, including People way smarter than us have pointed out planes only used to leave contrails that quickly evaporated. Now, worldwide, that's not the case. So this hmm. and tons of pilots have come out on record and said the same thing that have been pilots for decades. Right. So, so, a, so the, the uh, airline, it would be, would be it would be something this. like the equivalent of the U.N. behind it. It wouldn't be a it wouldn't be like all these different governments are behind it. Because there would be yeah, not even not. I see, the US, I, see, the US, I see it would be even power. deeper than that. I see, yeah, maybe, but it, it would be something equivalent of that that's outside just one government. Um, now, because I but see planes this, every day, be... I see planes flying around that don't leave chemtrails. I see planes that mm-hmm, leave a trail exactly. that evaporates real quick. And then some of them okay. leave, can't leave trails that are there up there all day. And they're or supposedly burning the same type of
12: fuel. But different kinds of planes will probably require either different amounts or different kinds of fuel. So, like, the bigger the plane, the more fuel it's going to pump out. Yeah, but
10: that's that. I mean, and the, I'm not I'm and not the gonna, I mean, the amount of
12: airplanes in the sky has also increased, like huge, a huge amount in the last fifty years.
10: Yeah, right but have now, you, the, the, have you seen videos ago, there so... were
12: airplanes in the sky at all? So what I'm saying is, like, it could be, um, what it could be is that the type of fuel what's burning and being left behind is the residue. And the residue that's being left behind is what's dropping the aluminum.
10: Right, yeah. Well, because the normally fuel wouldn't have aluminum in it, but you just heard David Keith say we can for very cheap put nano microparticles of aluminum into all the fuel and it wouldn't be That
12: would require that would require well two big things. First of all, I'm not saying this is not to say it is or isn't happening, it just would require this. First of all, the creators of the fuel would have to be in on it. The people making the fuel, the experts inside of that field, and the owners of the company creating the fuel would have to be on it. And then, secondly, the people putting the uh, fuel into the planes that could see a difference happening would also have to be in on it.
10: Well, they're not all in on it because you've got hundreds and hundreds of of pilots who've come out and said that they've noticed the change. And you even had pilots.
12: Yeah. Noticing the change does not equivalent to something happening. Or just because they notice the change doesn't mean something nefarious is happening. It just means that they have noticed that something has changed and they don't know what it is. Well, they the know scientists who talk
11: about it say that the uh, the normal contrails will stay in the air, you know, depending on the atmosphere it can reach. They can last in the air for, you know, a distance of you know several miles and four mm. and, the, and it can last for five to 10 minutes. These chemtrails are lasting for, you know, 30, 40 minutes, like an hour, s- stuff like that. Yeah. And, it's and 45 uh, seconds also, to a minute is a contrail typically. Is it dependent with so on so many moving parts? Yes, it is, and and with so many moving parts in the uh, uh, you know avian industry, basically, like you don't have to have that many people involved in it. Like you can you could have basically a few people involved in it at the point of production for the gasoline, and then sent out from there, and
10: and the ha- never produ- have anyone know. And yeah, and the know, people like, in gasoline production might. They're, it's compartmentalized like anything else they might think it's just normal that's just what they do they've been told to do that they might think it's a good thing they might not even know they're putting aluminum in it I mean you know it's and it, this is we're getting into speculation city here but um the right. there's definitely um most most of the evidence is definitely physical evidence I mean you can look outside yourself and notice a difference between a contrail and a chemtrail pretty easily right and then also I've seen plenty of videos of planes flying and then like the, the trail will be behind it. And then in a pattern, like a dot, like it'll be on for a minute and then off for a minute and on for a minute. You know, the plane will be flying in a line and it'll just leave behind like little chunks. Like there's a second where it's like leaving behind the trail and then not, and then leaving behind the trail and then not and leaving behind the trail and then not, which Mm -hmm. you could say, maybe they're turning off the engine over and over and that's still con trail, but I'm not buying that
12: or accelerating and not accelerating.
11: I mean, right. maybe. I can't
12: conc- I can't
11: conclusively see? prove any of this, but uh, I think it's more reasonable to look at something and say, hey, I see this happening. I can't mm. prove how it happens, but that doesn't mean it's not happening. Like if the mm. evidence is, is that th- there's way more aluminum, par- you know, nanoparticles in the soil and in the, in the waters, you know, everywhere, then mm. I mean, it is increasing. You know, we don't know exactly how, but like, I don't know, I feel I, f- I feel better saying I'm open. And this and and I, this definitely needs way more investigation than
16: oh, to definitely. say, if it's you know,
12: something that's affecting the soil and the water that much. It definitely needs more investigation. I would think that a more likely, I guess, um, as or idea that could be or thing that could be happening is. Yeah. Uh, eh.
10: You're oh, well, thinking of an Occam's
12: razor? Well, I'm just thinking like something like, I mean, yes, it could be the idea that the planes are all that's doing this. I mean, it could be a part of it, but it seems more like the fact that the world has become more industrialized and more things are being pumped out. More chemicals are being pumped out in general would lead to more contamination in the soil and the water overall not just with aluminum but with everything right they would pump out all kinds of stuff because they're constantly 100 percent of the time going pumping it out going 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 because it's just become more industrialized so i think that would be a bigger thing rather than a because wouldn't that be a more efficient way to do it anyways if you wanted to pump something out into the sky wouldn't you hide it inside of an industrialized area and pump it out like that well you wouldn't kind of what they're
10: saying you wouldn't. It wouldn't rise high enough in the atmosphere as a high-altitude high flying plane would if you're trying to use it for like communications yeah. or trying to if use you it you wanted it to pull. hang in the air is yeah. what you're saying. and shining. they want it to hang in the air for their intended purpose if they're going but through then why this plane, is it hitting which is the ground if out it's, the sun.
12: Then why is it hitting the ground if it's hanging in the air?
10: Well, it's not going to hang in the air forever. That's why they have to keep spraying it, even the... David Keith, that's proposing this, is saying we're going to have to keep continuously spraying. It's mm. no, Matt, the, the, that's, what, that's why they make the nanoparticles, like, he, like Keith is talking about, who wants the SAIs. Mm. He wants them to be nanoparticles of aluminum, so they'll hang in the air for longer. Uh, oh, I'm and still it's not right, buying I it. it. I, I still another... think
12: it's an incredibly inefficient way to do what they're talking about doing. And I'm, like to be able to do it secretly seems even more so inefficient and but so the thing is, like, people, tedious that's,
11: that's kind of well let me let, let me put it this way the the the, the unlikely aspect of it uh, i'll give you that caleb is probably the aspects of it affecting mind control or mood control or any of that kind of shit on the general population but it's definitely not far-fetched to say that the government was spraying aluminum t- into the ionosphere for like harp it's not like the government doesn't have planes like they, they can totally do it secretively without, you know, any, anyone in the, you know, public sector, knowing. The pilots don't even have, to know. Um, right, right, right. You know, even, even jet. And that's talking about even air force pilots, like they don't have, even air force pilots wouldn't have to know. They can load it up into that plan and say, Hey, fly from here to here at this altitude. And the dude's like, mm-hmm. okay.
12: But there's still people that have to build and develop what they're spraying. And that takes a whole crew of people and there's a certain level of this to where it would have to be known because it would be so difficult to keep it to keep all of it under wraps that at some point you would just have to admit what you're doing maybe you could lie about the reason why you're doing it but you would have to admit what you're doing because it would be taking so many human resources in order to get it done plus natural resources in order to build all of the things like hey why are you stockpiling tons of aluminum and why are you also shipping it to a uh, fuel center for planes, like a jet, wherever the jet fuel is manufactured. I you take. Know, your at point. some point, somebody's gonna somebody's will, gonna be like, "Hey, will, whoa, what's going say, on?"
10: Yeah, I will say this though. In my opinion, the least likely explanation is that. Um, Harvard and uh, the CIA and all these institutions trying to stop global warming just happened to pick the method with the same ingredients and the same exact tactics that conspiracy theorists have been complaining about for 20 years.
12: Mm-hmm. That I think that's very unlikely. A little more than coincidence.
10: Yeah. Um, and another thing is, I mean, neighbors back when we used to live in Kingston, um, the Fairground Court, because there was a bunch mm-hmm. of old people around there, my grandparents, my great aunts and uncles, people that have are not in this world, don't think about conspiracy theories, period. I've heard them all say plenty of times like planes didn't used to leave those trails like that. All of them. Everybody that's mm-hmm. old brings that up. Mhm. So,
12: but once again, I would just equate that to the possibility because I don't know enough either way and since I don't want to make a firm position either way since i don't know enough about it right. it could just be the fact that planes have gotten bigger faster and more efficient burn than more one fuel. of the things that they have burn more fuel and the type the way the fuel is manufactured and the way that the fuel that they burn has changed which could uh and they fly higher higher altitudes right All
2: i'm
12: right, not I'm saying a, either thing
10: yeah go, i'm not go ahead.
12: Sorry,
10: i'm not 100 sold on this but there's definitely enough there to make me have pause mm-hmm. uh, i'm gonna finish this Ke- david keith clip because this dude's an asshole
8: the little picture is from a nanofabrication study which shows you can make very high quality and do this in just a jet in a very simple way make high quality alumina particles just by spraying aluminum vapor out which oxidizes so it's certainly in principle possible to do that there's a big literature that's already looked at that And you could do that by either building new versions of these aircraft or even re-engineering existing aircraft. So there's some ideas of that. So you go to an engineering firm and you want this done. They don't say this is hard or unusual. They say, okay, yes, we could do it. Aerosol geoengineering looks like it is so cheap that the cost is basically not going to be an issue. That means that implementation decisions will be risk to risk decisions. The risk of doing it against the risk of not doing
7: it. Air quality studies, uh, including from the uh, CARB California Air Quality Resource Board, have named submicron-sized particulates as being particularly harmful for human respiration. Through all the discussions today, uh, I have not heard any mention of this fallout. And has has this been studied, and also the effects of a highly reactive metal like aluminum? On toxifying soils and waters the question
16: is what would be the effects of these materials on human health if they came down into the stratosphere
8: in, in, in particular uh, small particles and aluminum so, so the the collaborators of mine working on the aerosol scheme are actually folks from Carnegie Mellon who focused on
10: just the way he phrased that sentence the collaborators who were working on the aluminum scheme <laughs> Fuck you, dude! How uh, on earth
12: would you? How on earth would you take notes in this guy's class? there's like oh, I can understand like every third
8: word he's saying. <laughs> I don't like it. Small particles and aluminum. So, so the the collaborators of mine working on the aerosol scheme are actually folks from Carnegie Mellon who focused on human health impacts. And while we haven't published it, that was the very first thing we did was do the order of magnitude calculation in pencil and paper, but with an expert on human health impacts about whether there could be an issue. And, and for aluminum or other particles, there are a lot of toxicological things that need to get looked at seriously. But if you're just thinking about the sheer number of particles and the human health impact of small particles, the answer is, well, we haven't published it. That was the first thing we looked at, with some of the leading experts who do uh, epidemiological research on human health impacts. And it's not even close to being an issue. clarify, so 10 megatons of aluminum dumped into the atmosphere have no human health impacts? So let me be more careful here were to separate out the toxicological so the alumina we've only begun to research and published nothing alumina we've only begun to research and published nothing Dane looked at him and he said so you're telling me that spraying 10 to 20 megatons of aluminum as you said would have no human health effects he took a deep breath and he swallowed and he said let me be more careful here we haven't done anything serious on alumina, and so there could be something terrible that we'll find tomorrow. We haven't looked at. And that, for me, that was the whole main point of of what is is going to be coming out to the public. It's it's the damaging effects of aluminum that are being found around the world in massive amounts. Here's David Keith confronted on this very issue, and he, he looked, you know, at that point like like they just let the cat out of the bag. Mm-hmm. We haven't done anything serious on Illumina and so there could be something terrible that we'll find tomorrow we haven't looked at.
13: They're proceeding because they have an agenda that's separate from trying to thwart this crisis of global warming. You know, there's. There's obviously several other objectives, whether it's depopulation, control, uh, weapons aspects, communications aspects, all kinds of things, you know, wild cards that we know nothing about. We don't really know, and I'm not going to attempt to speculate on exactly what the agendas are, but we can see clearly they're not, uh, they're not, the agendas are not benefiting mankind. You know, it's benefiting the agenda of the elite.
10: The ominous music makes it so much Better you should that. The agenda of the elite. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. It's almost as good as the Shatner ISO. Weapon? What does he say? Weapons? Weather as a, as a weapon? That's what I was Weather <laughs> as weather? a weapon? Weather as a weapon. Something on the wing of the plane. <laughs> right, Captain Slog. So I think... uh the general conclusion that we usually come to on episodes like this is none of us knows jack shit. Um, and mm-hmm. the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Like the people that think they're intentionally killing us all with chemtrails and the people that are saying none of those are, they're not spraying anything. That's all contrails. I would say both sides mm-hmm. are a little diluted. Right. Um, Definitely. well, there's also the theory
11: that, uh, Harp is responsible for half the natural
10: disasters that have occurred over the past few decades yeah that seems pretty far-fetched a hurricane in nashville i've seen people saying that was Harp. well i'd i'd say it's i'd say it's
11: absolutely completely like false if harp can't do any of this shit if
10: harp can do this shit then like i mean it seems like their targets would be more thought out though
2: Definitely. I, I have heard Haiti concise.
10: Haiti was a con- pretty convenient one if the earthquake machine's real, because then the Clintons just swept up and took all that cash. I'm I don't know, screeching. man. From what I've heard, the elites hate Florida and uh, <laughs> New Orleans, so... <laughs> that just sounds about right. So, uh, you guys know who John Holdren is? Worked for Obama? Mm-hmm.
12: No, who's he? Other than works for Obama. Uh, he's...
10: He was... Um, Somebody cops coming. I see sirens in the back. Caleb, is there like oh. a nuclear bomb about to drop where you're at? Yeah,
12: they routinely drop bombs here. It's uh. not that big a deal. They're usually they usually don't feel the shockwave too much. I don't actually know what that is. It's like it goes off like three times a day. I think it's like some kind of uh, like a, a it's either an alarm like a like a uh, public. What's that thing called? Where they have sounds like, like a an siren set up. alarm. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's like a test, it's like they test It's like an alarm, it's like a test.
11: Like, yeah, wait, they so yeah. they test it three times a day.
12: <laughs> it usually goes that's that's off pretty about obnoxious, three times man. a day. Yeah, I remember it it in Ohio, is. they
10: yeah, had obviously. like nuclear sirens or like extreme weather alerts, and it was like it was loud and you could hear it across all of Toledo. I don't know if they still do that.
11: I got to say if they test it three times a day, like that's a pretty shitty way to uh, do your warning system because then nobody's going to believe it when it
10: actually goes off. Can you imagine how blown out your ears would be if you were at the source of that sound when it was coming out?
12: I know. I've thought about it. The only other thing is uh, I've talked to some older people and they said that they're like the way they used to like uh, like a big factories and stuff. And there are a few of those around here. Whenever they had shift change, the way they they would have a large like a big siren go off, whenever they're announcing a shift change, and there's like three big plant slash manufacturing places
10: about about like I don't know like twenty miles away. So it's like a massive equivalent of like the school bell Hmm. when class ends. Pretty much, that's (laughs) it (laughs) could be,
12: but also Camp Lejeune's only like an hour hour and a half from here, which is Hmm. like the biggest. like basic training camp for the Marines in the country. So it could just be that like they test the, like all the areas in the vicinity around it get tested a lot. I don't know. Right. I've never been able to figure it out, but it's annoying
10: as hell. Okay. So yeah, it sounds John, like- John Holdren, American hmm. scientist, served as senior advisor to Barack Obama. Uh, uh, on science and technology, senior science and technology advisor to old B.O. So let's hear from what he's got going on.
7: And so I think the question is, how do you draw the line between some activity uh, that is allowed and doesn't need global governance and activities that do require global governance?
10: By the way, he's talking about when he says this, he's talking about geoengineering uh, to stop climate change. Should set that up better.
7: And so I think the question is, how do you draw the line between some activity uh, that is allowed and doesn't need global governance and activities that do require global governance?
14: Dr. John Holdren has agreed to serve as assistant to the president for science and technology and director of the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy. I look forward to his wise counsel in the years ahead. My personal
7: opinion is that we have to keep geoengineering on the table. We have to look at it very carefully because we might get desperate enough to want to use it.
10: So the main takeaway from that is he's saying like we need global governance to uh, successfully carry out geoengineering. <laughs> so geoengineering's
11: wrapped up in globalism essentially.
10: Well, I to play devil's advocate, I think he's saying we won't be able to pull it off without global governments governance. It's the same thing all the climate change oh, people haven't. always say is everybody needs to be on board. That's what the Paris Accord was all that. All the countries have to be under the same law. Mm-hmm. Not
11: control. because if you have
12: dissenters, yeah, if you have dissenters, you're going to have issues if you try to do anything globally because not everybody's going to be on the same page. Right. But if you just control the whole globe, everybody will have to be on the same page because
14: yeah, you control the globe.
10: A lot of agendas lot of Um, So this is the last clip I got other than the some old into show mixes that relate to this that I'll put at the end of the episode. But uh, this it, You're going to hear in this, this is just a um, trailer for a full documentary, but in the trailer you will hear from a U.S. Air Force tactical weather pilot, former Bush administration cabinet member, U.S. Air Force major general, and a microbiologist. That's the only people talking in this. Uh, and they pre- they have some interesting things to say. The the ladies, the the former
4: Bush cabinet member,
10: she's pretty interesting.
4: Hmm. They are absolutely not contrails. Contrails do not linger,
3: dissipate and go into cloud coverage, period, in a report. I kept saying to people, you know, what is this? Because now the sky is no
5: longer blue. It's starting to turn gray. And what I found was a lot of people were pretending it wasn't happening. It was kind of like it was not socially acceptable to, do, you know, we're all gonna pretend this is not really happening. And I thought, oh, this is very bad. Prior history has
1: proven that we have used weather back in the Vietnam conflict. Suddenly, you don't take a weapon off the table that was able to provide good data, provided a good reason for it to be used at that time. Should you expect that it is available on demand to have the ability to modify weather? Absolutely, within this country and
5: others. Because we're talking about a, a very expensive global spraying program that involves all if not almost all sovereign
8: nations. We have government documents, Senate documents, patents, military documents. We have film footage of them turning dispersions on and off with nozzles visible. We have lab tests from all over the globe verifying that the exact elements named in climate engineering patents are showing up. We have collected samples directly from the emissions
1: from aircrafts. We have identified particles in there and have shown nanoparticles of these um, metal oxides that are damaging to biological tissue and affect human health.
8: Elements like aluminum, barium, strontium, polymer fibers, all of which are highly toxic, all of which are being absorbed by the entire web of life, including us.
5: I know enough to know that we're talking about serious risk, and serious risk to your health. Everything I see in terms of the pattern says there's a war going on covertly.
8: Climate engineering fallout is completely contaminating our waters, our soils, our crops, and every breath we take, thus impacting every aspect of our health. Geoengineering particles are nanoscale. So small, they go straight through our lung lining, into our bloodstream, and adhere to cell receptors like a plaque. Once absorbed, they are almost impossible to expel from our systems.
1: The layer was uh, filled with these nanomaterials, and that was our first evidence that this is, you know, that these nanomaterials are directly associated with
3: the emissions from these planes. (laughs)
10: Um, Nice Yeah this I guess this podcast more served as a training Wheels for further Research I don't think we really came To any conclusions But Show notes will have a shit ton more data It'd be really cool if we
11: could get Like a conspiracy theorist president You know Just like reveal all
10: No he's not Get out of here he said not, yeah, there were bombs stop, in the building on 9/11 stop, the day it
12: happened. Stop. Oh, stop. Trump just pandered to that stop. group of people. I'm saying like
11: somebody who gets in and like is exactly like one of us. Jesse like may, maybe, may no maybe they'll have to pretend to be like a corporate like a perfect like a Pete Buttigieg type, you know, corporate mm. Jesus type character and well, then get they, in. Mm,
10: maybe, but and I don't then know. Just if they, flip. Yeah.
12: I mean maybe, that's, but, yeah that's the only way. But Trump was a conspiracy Trump, Trump ran as trying, a conspiracy yeah, theorist, outside
10: the box here. and he won.
12: Yeah, well. well he didn't no, do he, anything. He, <laughs> yeah, but he ran but as he I'm just saying he a conspiracy thing. I shouldn't a bunch have of
10: stuff. a conspiracy
11: theory. I'm theorist not won't talking about Trump it. is not who I'm talking about. I know but am talking conspiracy about who
10: gets in there. My point reveals all. They won't have to they won't have to hide their intentions or hide the fact that they're like a truther because Trump was literally saying Bush and Obama Funded and created ISIS on the campaign trail, and he still won. So Trump proved that you can still talk like that and win. They don't have to hide it when they're running his mouth. He point. was still. I, I'm, I'm. still more with Caleb here. He was like. He was pandering to. You're, the you're missing my point. Crowd. I'm not saying like, he no. No. Through. He was. It was
11: I'm conspiracy proved, th- theories. But I'm saying he proved Trumps didn't so, have
12: it, Like a person that has a history of like being a conspiracy theorist and wanting to like expose. Things like that, like they could never win. Like Trump did not have a history of that. Trump was the eh, businessman that like knew what to say to group of people. I'm pretty,
11: I'm pretty sure, like uh presidential, uh, like candidates for president have like promoted particular conspiracies all throughout, like you know, the history of our country, and still yeah, won. You know, like yeah, it's I mean,
12: pandering to the group of people that they know are going to support them in the end. Who, who promoted Trump. Trump right, exactly, theories exactly. besides Trump? It's, 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 usually, it's
11: usually a conspiracy that would, that would have to do with the opposite side. But anyway, you're completely yeah. derailing what I was talking about and making this an argument. Um, my, my point being, I would really like to have a person who gets in and and actually reveals the details of these things to the American people. What have our tax dollars been going to? We fucking deserve to know. Like we've been paying for all this shit. It's not like that money came out of nowhere. It's like mm-hmm. the, you know, that money came from us, the people, and we don't even know what we're, they're spending our money on. You know, and is they're definitely a- not spending it on, it
10: on us. They're not helping us. So, is there a good mm-hmm. option besides Jesse Ventura? As far at as doing that, option, there's at this moment, absolutely not. Like, but there's de- like
11: somebody who's running. I mean, that's the only Jesse person who comes to mind. Not even- as, no Someone i mean who just is, anybody is running just anybody that would consider I, running. i'd have to really think about that but jesse ventura is not like my like perfect candidate for president but think. as far as cons- like
10: as far i mean that dude is into every conspiracy theory and you'd know for a fact he'd just like tell everything as soon as he got in and that's exactly
12: right, why he would never be able to get in because yeah, he's too out in the open and too open yeah. with his intentions He'd have to like if someone really wanted to get in and do something like that, they would have to like what Noah was saying, they'd have to play the corporate side of it. They'd have to play like, oh I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep doing what everybody else is doing and gets in it's like, ha ah, now I'm gonna start revealing everything. Maybe which but it you'd also still have to leave breadcrumbs.
10: You'd have to well, yeah, if 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 you otherwise you're support. not gonna get the vote of the populace if you're not acting at least like a little bit of
12: um well, no, you just got to figure out what's popular at the time and what's going to get you enough traction to get in. I mean, that's pretty right. much what Trump did, because he just said all this stuff and didn't do hardly any of it when it came to that aspect of things. Exactly. Like the whole drain the swamp thing. You don't have like, to what necessarily, did he do? like, you go. Oh, I was going to say, like, with the drain the swamp and stuff, like, he said he was going to go in and do all this stuff. Like, he repeats, like, the Hillary, you would be in prison. Like, the whole, like, Mm -hmm. send her to That never happened. Like, most of what he said never happened and won't happen because he can't make it happen and has no intention to
10: anyways. Sex traffickers and children rescued from sex trafficking are up over 1,000% of any previous administration, though, so that and that's wait, great what? no but wait, that's well, I'm not... sorry you said you mean a thousand arrests right you don't no, mean th- a, thousand a thousand percent, percent higher than, it, than any other administration I thought it Which was over o- only a, only a couple thousand arrests times.
11: more than previous no, no, no it's ten times
10: a thousand percent is ten times more than pre- any previous administration I'd still need I to mean, know some of the exact numbers to know whether or not that's like I mean they could be lying about the numbers but that's official uh, Department of Justice numbers it also has to look I in why those numbers are, are up. showing. Yeah, I saw a bar
11: graph that was showing Trump had like 10,000 arrests versus previous presidents having like, you know, only two or three thousand arrests in their presidencies. Mm.
10: Yeah.
12: And that's but great. I'm talking about I mean, children rescued like, also. Mm. I don't know. That's like not something he specifically campaigned on, though. That's like, like obviously a good thing. And we need to be finding as much of those evil people as we can and getting rid of them, but that still doesn't like most of what he, what I was saying is most of what he actually said he was going to do never happened. I'm not saying good things haven't happened, uh, the, but most the of, like, anti-war the stuff has he, been
10: pretty decent. Did you see Dick Cheney is working with the Democrats to, and Mitt Romney to block Trump pulling our troops out of Afghanistan? No, I have not. What's the reasoning behind that? Because they're warmongers? The Democrat, the establishment... <laughs> Democrats and establishment Republicans are both blocking Trump's removal of our troops from Afghanistan. Isn't Dick Taney hmm. still involved with Boeing? Uh I know he was involved with uh, Halliburton. Oh Halliburton. Wasn't it but it wasn't it Boeing as well? Probably. I'm sure he's involved in all kinds of shit. Yeah, he had a bunch of big corporate ties. Yeah, all the ones Not that, just Halliburton. <laughs> all the ones that profited off the Iraq war. <laughs> he went from he went to the being the CEO after that of Halliburton. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> well, uh any final thoughts on Harp and Chemtrails and how they interrelate?
12: Well, I mean, I see the connection that's possible there, but I don't necessarily buy it because I just feel like I don't I I feel like there's other ways to accomplish like what we were talking about that are easier, safer, because, I mean, if you're doing something like that, you're essentially poisoning the whole globe. And at a certain point, even if you have, let's say, a cure for the poison, you've poisoned the whole globe and eventually that cure is going to stop working and you're just going to screw everything up. And then what was the point of doing all this stuff in the first place? So I'm definitely on the fence about it. Caleb,
11: everything you said is bullshit. There's tons of aluminum in the air, and I uh, plan on uh, stopping breathing as a uh, <laughs> to this.
12: as a countermeasure. Yes, the globalists will never get me.
11: They're, they're not going to get me.
14: <laughs> uh, uh, well, no, man, I'm
10: with you. Mm. I think we uh, think we did a decent dive into this, and as I said, show notes, way more materials. And if you guys have anything you want to add to the show notes, no, or Caleb, send it to me. Mm -hmm. I'll put it in there. And I'll leave you with uh, the words of former CIA head John Brennan. Peace. Peace. Bye.
15: Bye. (laughs) So you. Bye now. Goodbye. Another example is the array of technologies that potentially could help reverse the warming effects of global climate change. One that has gained my personal attention is Stratospheric Aerosol Injection, or SAI, a method of seeding the stratosphere with particles that can help reflect the sun's heat. It
12: ain't no joke, the whole world will go up in smoke if we don't spray the skies with aluminum and carbide to
8: save the borax mud plants and stop global floods and fires. But remember, chemtrail, earth and spears, made my life, this is the only way to Savior from the rays of the sun, so the skies leave spray. Every nation needs taxation of their college.
9: one thing that scares the shit out of me, Alex, is um, in the middle of all this shit going on with Russian collusion all the last two years and Trump and all that, they are spraying the skies with chemtrails harder than ever fucking before. Does that have anything to do with 5G? Are the chemtrails and 5G connected? What the fuck is going on? They're spraying every day out here. It's incredible. Like, like the, uh, the clouds today, all fake. What's going on with that shit? I'm studying what the superconducting supercollider scientists and the cyclotron operators are saying. I'm studying what the top genetic engineers are saying. I'm studying what Elon Musk has said, but I was saying it 20 something years ago because Elon Musk said, I go to these big billionaire conferences, and they're all talking about interdimensionals and how it's all a simulation. And how they're communicating with these other things. But anyways. well, just to be that, clear, fuck that. No, no, fuck clear. that. Fuck that. What's I'll up with all you. these goddamn chemtrails? What thing. the fuck? We'll get to that. I have to finish this. And so I just want it to not be chemtrailed and have them trying to, you know, give my kids fluoride. they because te- it's, it's the same on Google. Does it have anything to do with five G? Absolutely. What's well, five G? How does five G and okay. chemtrails? How do they, okay. How what do is they connect? Okay, so let's go over it. It's not about uh, protecting us from the sun. It's about frying the atmosphere and actually making it toxic and worse. It's about killing the soil. It's about total world government. It's about 1 in 35,000 having autism uh, 30 years ago. Now it's 1 in 58. It's about a world exterminist depopulation program being carried out against all of you. And you just heard the CIA head admit it, but they tell you because it's so credible, oh my gosh, it's not real. Th- they're because t- it's, it's the same on Google. Does that have anything to do with 5G? They think we're idiots. Yep. Now, what's up with 5G and chemtrails? What's the connection? Kim, uh, 5G is basically every block and it's even smaller millimeters that lose, use less power but are even stronger and can manipulate the atmosphere even more. does uh, saw that in Arizona. Do, do, do um, Does 5G work better with chemtrails? He said on air, oh, it's so fun, we can turn it on at night and, and ignite the atmosphere into fire and the head of Harp on my show Mad scientists said we can ignite the atmosphere. And so you're asking, what is Doppler radar? A high powered antenna array manipulating the atmosphere. What is 5G? Millions of arrays manipulating the atmosphere. What is HARP? Big antenna. So you look it up Dubai, turning the desert green. And then you look up Daily Mail articles and Smithsonian articles, and it's antenna arrays that are actually Doppler. They think we're idiots.
2: I'm